I know you've been watching, but I've also been watching uh, True Detective Night, oh, Night Country. Country. Yeah, yeah. Had yeah. you caught up? Yeah, I watched the one last night. Okay. Well, okay. Yeah, last night. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts? I mean, I think because I, I had people, I've been having a few conversations with people about it, and people were telling me again because. I hate online culture. It's a it's a thing, and 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 a lot of people are like upset by like or certain fans. What's the criticism that it's not? It's, it's uh, not men. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm just not even gonna in, I, engage I, I, with that. Well, I've heard that a lot. Is it, it's just like oh, it's it's woke. It's woke. True detective. All I'm saying is that that uh the uh what's her name the um. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's one with the piercings? Uh, yeah, who's, who's she's, the other? T- she's a badass, dude. I think she, she could is. take any. I think of she's them. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would not want to um, commit any crime in that county, or that she's a state trooper. I think. So yeah, yeah. I would not want to commit any crime in Alaska. State. <laughs> uh, uh, Kylie Reese and and um, Jodie Foster looks like she kicks some ass too, man. I like Jodie Foster. <laughs> yeah. I, I think. I mean, the thing about it that I, the the what I'm interested in seeing with the show. And this is kind of the certain shows you almost have to retrain how your brain is wired. Yeah. In our current like binge uh, culture. And so this has, it feels like it has a, a tad bit different structure than the original series. For one, it's short. It's I was less, gonna say, it's less only six epi- episodes, right? episodes. Yeah. So, like, so we're already halfway through it. Yeah, but it feels like it has a little bit slower like pace to it. Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I think. Interesting things happen have have happened each episode I agree. so far, and I like this kind of intrigue into the the paranormal or whatever's causing this, right? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. The, the tease that it's possibly some sort of paranormal yeah. thing. Yeah, and people and yeah. here's the other issue with that because people are like, oh, I don't, the the supernatural stuff's just red herrings, yeah. and it there it, it very, very well, well could, could be. But I mean, I think the first season dealt with that as That's well. That's what I'm I remember. Yeah, is that people yeah. don't remember that at one point in season one of True Detective. Yeah. People thought it was gonna drift into Lovecraftian right. yeah. type, a uh, Lovecraftian type story. Yeah. Like that was what everyone was thinking, and then it didn't. And you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense why I didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. It's the it's it's always the after that makes you kind of realize. Yeah, I mean, and I think they're really nailing the atmosphere. Uh, oh, I agree. Yeah, I love the atmosphere of the show, and it's an awesome setting. Yeah, I, mean, I really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I love Jodie Foster. Jodie, yeah. it take, like Jodie Foster doesn't do a lot. She doesn't come out and do a lot of stuff anymore. Um, she's doing more of late. Yeah, but well, she was in Nyad as as well. She's right? in Nyad. Just got an Oscar nomination for Nyad. Um, she's in Hotel Artemis. Um, <laughs> which is a again, that's a wild world. And and the other thing too, I'm seeing more of, if of how action movies, and this has been a, a reoccurring conversation even just recently, of how action movies nowadays, if it's like not based on IP, it's always like, oh, it's like John Wick. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's it's like oh, it's it's with with monkey with monkey yeah. man. It's it's India, but John Wick or it, whatever. Well, I, I read a Bollywood uh, Bollywood John, John, John Wick, Wick or whatever, <laughs> or with hotel. But I think it's it's fascinating how John Wick, a small movie with Keanu Reeves initially that was originally going to be straight to video, straight at one to point, video or yeah. whatever, has had such an effect on yeah the action, action movies, yeah. the action genre yeah. and how. Now fans are always expecting that type of movie when that's you don't have that you don't have to have that type of movie and now it's even becoming part of the pitches of like a Hotel Artemis while it's not a fighting John Wick movie it feels like it's trying to capture the world oh like the lore of the lore yeah. of like the continental and yeah, yeah. and the and how they interact hitman and 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 criminals interact with one another that always felt that way mm-hmm. um 
And so speaking of criminal, how the criminals interact with one another. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's not what, a bad segue. What a segue. Let's talk about, uh, it's, we're back from our, from our short hiatus of January, yeah. uh, to talk movies again. And we're talking about the, the, the kind of <laughs> wording of this. It, it's tripping me up a little bit, but we're talking about kind of mobsters mob. Yeah. I mean, I refer to it as a mobster movie. mobster movie. Okay. Uh, yeah. Mobster movies, mafia, a little bit of gangster, but I would yeah. say mob, mo- mobster, mafia movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that, but just because somebody's a mobster doesn't necessarily mean they're involved in the mob. In the mob, yeah. Because yeah. because the thing with this is that we there were certain movies that were like that were considered gangster movies. That right. I w- that don't fit in with, with the actual topic of the mob, of the mob yeah, and yeah. organized crime yeah. in that way. So that's what we're kind of doing with with mob mafia movies this mobster mafia movies this month. Before we do that, I'm Brand Sparks. I'm David Glenn Fourth. And the Sination Podcast. And with this uh, genre, I don't really explore the genre that much. Yeah. Uh, and, and these movies, it might be, and, and this sounds bad, I know. It, these movies are very epic. A lot of the best ones. Oh, so yeah, for sure. I'm the not, Godfather. You're not always sitting down to watch yeah, yeah. three, three and a half hour long movies, <laughs> as we'll, dis- we'll discuss a little bit today. Yeah. Um. But there's there's a great time and place for it, and and I'm not saying that that makes them bad in any way. No, 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 no. Um, no, I, I get what you mean. It's just they they yeah. it's gonna be a it's a commitment. And I remember I was talking to someone about Killers of the Fire Moon, not a mob mafia movie, but a long. Epic but it movie. is an organized crime. movie. It is an organized yeah, crime movie. In a way. It's not it, um, not in the vein of what we're discussing. But we're discussing. It's definitely in the lineage of Scorsese's. But film. I remember someone was, I was talking to a fr- our friend of ours, uh, Chris, that was saying how. Uh, I was like, yeah, people complain about the length. He was like, yeah, but if it's a TV show, then it kind of loses its immortality. Mm-hmm. Like, they, like it has a better legacy of it being a movie than a TV show. Not saying it's better or worse in that way, but like, there's for some reason there's more uh, because it's Titus Scorsese. It's more likely he'll be seen more because it's a movie later on in life than if it's a TV show. Mm-hmm. It's like TV show is kind of the big in the moment, the water cooler talk, but the movie is what kind of stands apart over the years it's like i know tv was different but like we're not not everyone's talking about the big miniseries of the 1970s like they're talking about taxi driver sure sure, sure. so movie kind of has a little bit more of an immortality to it which is why it makes sense from do killers flower moon as a three-hour movie and not a four-hour miniseries um but scorsese we'll talk about more this month as we probably should uh with the mob mafia movies we talk about goodfellas next week um but when we're talking about mob mafia movies, David, what do you think of? What comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, definitely in the case of, of Goodfellas and Scarface, it's kind of that rise and fall, yep. right? It doesn't necessarily have to be the protagonist either. It could be like their outfit or their yeah. specific group within the grander organized crime mm-hmm. racket. But there is always that kind of rise and fall and, uh, you know, pursuing the American dream through criminal means because in their minds, they're never going to move up if they're just going Correct. through the, the normal capitalist system. It's know? the idea that the system is flawed. Yeah, right. So how do you beat the system? Yeah. Don't play by its rules is what they're all doing. Yeah. What about you? What do you think of when? Well, yeah, I think of that. I think, again, I, I kind of wrote down a few things of how this kind of genre sometimes will showcase like the extravagant life and and the and like it makes it really cool to be a gangster, which is why I think movies like this and and Goodfellas people gravitate towards in pop culture, especially young freshman college guys with posters on their wall <laughs> of like, I, I want to be Tony Montana when I'm taking my math exam. Today. Yeah. Um, but I think the interesting thing with this one is that there are shots 
that shows how hollow being at the top is. You know? Yes. Like there's a you know a few times where he's like isolated in the frame and you just well, see like this isn't what he expected yeah. it to be. Like well yeah, and that's the other thing too. We'll see. Yeah, I think that's what. Sorry. To, yeah. To, no, go ahead, yeah. to go off your point, I think that's what they're. They're missing the, the that audience. Oh, that yes, specific audience exactly. is missing. Yeah, well, exactly. Is that Tony and we'll talk about next with Goodfellas the idea of like in this genre I think too once you once you commit to this lifestyle and once you start going up in this lifestyle you develop a sense of paranoia absolutely of it being taken away from you and the cocaine cocaine fuels that in both yeah us, Scarface in both and Scarface and Goodfellas <laughs> um, further fuels it so and so it's the idea that like. I, I got this. I got this my way. There's always a chance someone's going to do the same thing to yeah. me. So it's like we talked about with Scarface today. It's like once once Tony gets to the spot he wants to be in, it's like he he builds this own cage for himself. Yeah. Where he's just in this lap watching, of luxury, watch, watching all the security cams. Around yeah. Who's that, like, Who's that guy? Who's that guy? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like yeah yeah. Why has he been there for three days? <laughs> You my security guy, you know, ask these questions. Um, a lot of bad impersonations. So both Pacino's Cuban uh, Pacino, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, there's that. There, there's all the idea of excess exploring the exploring excess, especially in like American culture. We won't talk about all American films this this month, but like the idea with talking about the American dream and how that kind of plays yeah. off of it. And I think especially in the '80s because that was a very specific yes look. Um, yes. For excess, if that makes sense. Yes. Well, 80s was all about excess. That's yeah, yeah. that's really when, I mean, you could, so many studies and probably have looked into this of, of the idea of like how like even our pop culture kind of like everything always kind of goes back to the 80s. There was all stuff before then, but 80s for some reason always has this uh, longing effect on pop culture where we're still constantly riffing on it nowadays. Music is that way. It's like ev everything kind of came to a big peak in the 80s, and it became a lot of it, and now we're a lot of times we're just riffing off of that. Absolutely. And generally speaking, I think things were more showy in the 80s. Yes. Well, it's the idea. We talked about this with, with Neon Noir yeah. back uh, uh, a few years ago um, on the show, and how this I would kind of consider Neon Noir uh, as well, because... Yeah. It's this. It's this. These movies are vibrant, flashy, um, over the top in a way, and and with these mob movies, this period, it's like it's very much playing off that uh, effect. It's like I mean, Godfather kind of sets it, but Godfather's not really over the top anyway. But it's it's saying the kind of the trajectory of this genre, mm -hmm. um, and that it can be a financial success. Yes, in the case of Godfather, yeah. And how again? How a lot of times and award successes. Well. Yeah, it'll, it'll tie to it's. It, Godfather brought in the idea of like family within yeah. all. It feels like or like there were other like mobster gangster movies of of the of the original Scarface. Yeah, or which we'll talk about. Yeah, Little Caesar, the Jimmy Cagney movies of Public Enemy and White Heat, those type movies. Um, but it really didn't. Godfather onward really tapped into this idea of family within the mob and mm -hmm. mafia with mobsters um but also like even like the family outside of it it's like there's the, the another thing that I, can't, I will keep seeing with this this genre it feels like is also the idea of like failed marriages yeah. within it um <laughs> well i mean if you can barely sustain your business and your own like yeah. livelihood how can you uh also sustain, build a yeah uh you know like a normal relationship with another person because i think of this i think even like another movie with yeah. pacino is donnie brasco oh, yeah, yeah, where yeah. like with depp his character while he's an informant for the for the for the FBI 
uh, on the mob like that job ends up affecting his real life and his his marriage uh to Anne Haitian that movie mm-hmm. um so just the, and kind of how, how we'll, we'll talk about with Lorraine Bracco and Goodfellas with with Ray Liotta, like that all kind of falls apart uh because the mob it's like the mob this family takes precedent over your right your real family your actual family yeah. um there's also the idea of that I think with this kind of with the family aspect and the mob mafia uh of a trope or kind of character archetype archetype you'll see always the the parent with the paranoia comes in the idea of a traitor informant like within oh, within, within, yeah, within your within group your yeah. um if it's the departed I was about to say um, yeah, that's where my mind first like a big one but that's a big thing in Goodfellas like is someone a rat here yeah. Sopranos is that way as I've been watching Sopranos at least the first season because I've never watched before don't stop following us because i say that um <laughs> he, he's working on but he's working. Like, yeah the first season's like they're talking like they're trying to find out who the rat is and 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 the family um that'll happen here it's not as big of a, a plot point here but there's a, there is a thing of a character possibly being yeah an informant or the idea of them setting someone up to get back at them in some way yeah um but that's all big in this genre like i said i think the big key at least the one a lot of ones we're talking about is the idea of commenting on society at the moment. Sure. Uh, American society, for the most part, the ones we cover. At least the ones that last, I feel like. The ones that last. But that weren't yeah. pale limitations of what came before, right? Correct. I agree. Um, but that's kind of what we're discussing this month with this genre. Today, David, is a movie you picked. Yeah. And what are we discussing? We are discussing Scarface, 1983. Um, and the intro to the movie, so uh, it's a mobster movie, obviously, uh, loosely based on a 19... 19- 30 novel of the same name and mm-hmm. the protagonist in that novel was inspired by al capone and his nickname in real life was scarface one of his nicknames was scarface yeah uh the book was also adapted uh to a 1932 film by howard hawks who was the director co-producer and uncredited writer um uh, co-writer and howard hughes producer in 1932 mm-hmm. uh the novel was written originally written by armitage trail in 1929 and published the following year in 1930 uh he passed away from a heart attack nine months after the novel was published at the age of 28. Wow. Um, yeah. And so the first draft of the screenplay for the original film was written by Ben Hecht mm-hmm. uh, in only 11 days, allegedly. Uh, but there were yep. multiple dialogue writers and uncredited writers, as there were in the studio system in that mm-hmm. day um, on the screenplay. And the remake is actually dedicated to Ben Hecht and yep. Hawks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but, and, the, and the original starred Paul Mooney. Yeah. Uh, uh, who was a big influence on Pacino. Um, as we'll discuss. Uh, yeah, Pacino, I, yeah, I think a lot of different oh, um, actors. Pacino's performance yeah, in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, Paul M- Mooney, not Paul Mooney, the the comedian. <laughs> Paul Mooney, M-U-N-E, M-U-N-I, yeah. um, uh, from the 1930s. He was kind of the, the predecessor, it feels like, to the method actor. Absolutely. Um, he did a movie called uh, I Am a Fugitive from a Chain Gang. And I remember him talking about how he found as many books as possible on on prison uh act like prison life and prison reform and even like found the actual guy who he was portraying who was actually on the run oh wow like got him to warner brothers to meet with him and to talk with him (laughs) so he was very much in like trying to capture the the real life the realistic uh uh, traits of of the person uh very much of of, i say puccino of of a character of actor i think de niro will talk about goodfellas next week and and even Brando, it's like that. He he was kind of the early version of what would blow up in the '60s mm-hmm. and in the '70s. But yeah. anyways, off that tangent. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I can go. I can go down. It's yeah. a rabbit hole. I'm not going to go down. Uh, right now. Scarface, uh, <laughs> 1983, the remake was written by 
uh, infamous pro- probably filmmaker Oliver Stone. Uh, we'll get more, more into this later, but it yeah. was decided to take the story and modernize it to the 80s for the remake. And so the remake tells the story of Tony Montana and his rise and fall in the drug trade during the cocaine crime wave in Miami of the of the time period. Yeah. Uh, whereas the original takes place during Prohibition. Yeah. Uh, stars Al Pacino as Tony Montana, as we've already said. Stephen Bauer as Manolo, who's kind of Tony's best friend, right-hand man. Uh, they grow up in the business together. Yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer as El- Elvira, uh, the wife of Tony's first boss in the industry and someone he pursues romantically. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will get into spoilers about that later, so make sure you watch it before we get yeah, into it. Yeah. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio, I, I, I'm sure I butchered that, I apologize, as Gina, Tony's sister, whom Tony has an overprotective attitude toward. Yeah. Um, Robert Loggia as Frank Lopez, Tony's first boss in the industry, mm-hmm. uh, and the uh, significant other of Elvira. Uh, F. Murray Abraham as Omar, Frank's underling. Uh, we got Paul Shinar as Alejandro Sosa, the Bolivian mm-hmm. drug lord who goes into business with Tony and ultimately leads to his downfall. Yeah. Cinematography by John A. Alonzo, produced by Martin Bregman, Giorgio Moroder score. Yeah. So great, great lineup there. And unfortunately, I don't think it's streaming anywhere at, at the moment, at it's least not. when I checked. Uh, but you can rent it, and I'm sure it'll be on AMC at some point in the near future. Yeah, in the near future. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, it, it, uh, Round the Battle says that it. Well, well, I guess we should, I should uh, reveal my history with this movie. Yeah, um, we'll go into initial thoughts. Um, so, to the shock of many people, I had never seen Scarface until until this episode. What? You never seen Scarface? Yeah. Um it's for some reason, don't know why, has I've bypassed it some way throughout the years and never watched it. Uh it's one it's one of those ones that I think you've seen so many clips from it, you just assume you've seen the big parts of it. Um it's the say hello to my little friend. It's all that being the big shootout, like you, it, and even some of the other if him stand, sitting in front of the, the like sun sunset with the gun when he's about to kill uh Robert uh Logi uh, uh what a scene oh yeah Frank um and yeah it's like there's certain kind of clips that you it's just kind of been part of pop culture. And, and, and lines of dialogue as well. And lines of dialogue. Yeah. Um, Say hello to my little friend. Yeah. Uh, the the uh, what's the the world is yours? Yeah. Like all all these different things that kind of been a part of it. Um, so it's like you just kind of and you you, know, you get what it's about. And again, also too, I make the comment about like it's one that like with hip hop, rap, and hip hop artists became a big fan of it. Um, other like just being big in the criminal world. Um, Young white freshmen in college <laughs> all have that same poster. Again, it's like it's part of the. I don't. It's the the po- my. I had a list on my phone of like the Hall of Fame college. Yeah, I remember we talked about bro that. It was like Fight Club, Pulp Fiction, a Fight Club, Pulp, Pulp Fiction, this Scarface, this. You uh, think the Shank would be in there, or I don't know. I don't know if that's as which one. The Shawshank Redemption. I don't. I don't Shawshank know if that's wouldn't as, be. No, yeah. no, no, no. But it's 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 as like, prevalent. Oh, uh, Dark Knight. Dark Knight joker now i would say yeah i would say wolf of wall street might be up there. it might have actually come and come and went <laughs> coming up gone and, oh yeah yeah come in and left uh, uh my, my silence poster hanging I th- up in my- i thought goodfellas was in there for a moment i think that's 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 left as well i mean now marvel like Probably, I, I, th- yeah. I think like there should be just a a, 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 a in the, in the top 10 or whatever those posters like marvel unspecs 
of like those are the like it's gonna be a Marvel something or yeah. whatever. But yeah, Dark Knight was the big one. I also argue. I wonder if this is still true. Animal House is also one. Oh yeah, but I mean, I think that's generational. Yeah, that's a, yeah. I think that, that goes back to frat dudes from the yeah the time it came and out. And so like I remember because I, ha- I always have like yeah, but like fight. It's always like the ones like it's it's movies where college guys and, and in their 20s they gravitate towards rest of our dogs kind of too yeah, yeah where like uh it's movies where it's about a character raging against the system because that's they relate to that <laughs> yet you're paying for uh, college yeah yeah, yeah it's it's but it's like it's it's the two it's Gervolta and jackson with two guns of pulp fiction <laughs> um it's it's usually like the why so serious? Uh, oh, yeah, the Dark Knight one. Dark Knight he's one, like drawing it. Yeah. yeah, he's drawing it, but it's like kind of a frosted, yeah, uh, um, kind of poster. It, so, so this might be a chicken and egg scenario, scenario, but it's like they all go to the same store to get those posters. You know, yeah. like the, the, the head shop close to the campus. And or, so, or, or, the, with, with ours, they had like a they had a poster that showed up at the beginning of every semester that you bought from. Oh wow! Like it was like for see, three days this, at the at the quad. Is this just smart business sense on those people's I thing to so. choose those posters, or are they only hanging these posters because that's the only ones that are sold? I don't know. That's a great question. <laughs> I mean, another one that used to fit in that. I don't know if it still does. Was V for D- V for Vendetta? Oh, absolutely. That was a big absolutely, one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, yeah, I had a list, and, and like it changes by decade. It's like I think in the early two thousands, the Matrix was there. The Matrix would not be there anymore. Anyway, that's a, again a whole other tangent that could go down. But that, but so that was like a lot of people had the Scarface poster in their room, where people riffed on the Scarface image, or or a lot of references and music to Scarface. Um, it was so I for some reason I never seen it, and even with being Brian De Palma, a big Brian De Palma fan, I, or I've developed become a developed uh, my Brian De Palma love over these past probably like eight eight years or so. This one is still. I have not watched, and when I watch it this time, I think I can easily say, I would argue it's more of an Oliver Stone movie than a Brian oh, De Palma wow, movie. Interesting. Like it, Brian. It, there is style in this movie, but it's not the usual style that Brian De Palma has. I don't think, but it has a lot of Oliver Stone in it of the excess and the, and commenting on American culture. De Palma has done that for sure, but it feels more stone interesting when watching it this time so i'm not saying de palma's bad at it i think de palma, yeah, yeah. i think it's actually a trait of de palma that he's able to not overpower the script to make it fully like it's a brian de palma movie it's the idea of and you'll probably talk about this more like of where brian de palma's at in his career around this time mm-hmm. where like he kind of has well to he pl- definitely wanted to make something more he, commercial. Yeah. he had him he had to play it straight a, like we talked about the blowout which was the one before this he was yeah. in a little bit of a bind a little bit of a bind so he had to kind of play it straight and and he does that well here in terms but, of um when we get into the production i think you'll be surprised of what he's what what caused some of the the issues between Stone and De Palma, yeah, and I also I don't, I don't. Well, well, and also like the reasons for the the set take taking much longer than you okay. know the shoot taking much. Longer I will than. stop saying what I'm saying, <laughs> but I will just say there's something about the no, feels- but I, I get your point of it. it's not as uh, it, it's not what you come to expect, especially in this era of what De Palma would. De Palma's doing. Um, it, it's just a little bit more like there's I, I would and actually that was Kill's kind of point in her review was uh-huh. that she felt it was. Uh, I'm paraphrasing. But yeah. De Palma kind of chained up, or however you want to say it. But yeah, yeah, like it's not as weirdly as subversive as a De Palma film could be. Well, 
Well, what? I, oh, I mean, I think the reactions at the time were. Uh, oh no, oh, yeah. We'll talk about the reactions the same. Yeah. But I'm, I'm saying, if uh, retrospectively, sure, sure, sure. If you're looking at it, like we've seen De Palma do some oh, crazy stuff in his movies. Like honestly, the one that could have been. It, it it's would be the brother and sister stuff. He could have easily amped up even more. Like mm-hmm. it's weird yeah, the yeah. stuff with the sister, but if the Palma really like went like obsession yeah. level or or any of that stuff. Well, there's a reason for that too. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna stop talking and we're gonna into it. Um, but okay, but my initial thoughts were quick. Yeah, yeah. So I, obviously I saw this around the same time as I saw Goodfellas on on cable. Um, funny watching this on cable because not only is it like three hours <laughs> with commercials, but you're missing so much probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyways, I wanted to write a paper on it in high school. Actually, uh, we were having to do like an analysis paper on a movie, uh, but the student teacher didn't think there was enough meat here. And he told me that it, you just want to do it because it's a cool movie. Mm-hmm. So as you can tell, I'm I'm not still butthurt about that. But <laughs> while I certainly think uh, I wouldn't have had a strong thesis at that age, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. at the age of 16, but I do believe this movie is more than a cool story for some of the things we've already discussed. You know, yeah. how it explores the American dream um, and this kind of corrupted idea of the American dream and how hollow it can be. Once yeah. you, if you're just pursuing money and, and fortune, yeah. how hollow that existence. Yeah, Frank says it. He be. was just like... Look, to, like if you want to survive in this business, you gotta play it straight. Yeah. Like, don't be flashy. I mean, that's an interesting. Well, that's an interesting statement. Now I think about about the Palma in a nutshell of like a filmmaking is that hey, if you want to have a career that's long lasting, mm-hmm. like play it straight. Like, don't be flashy. Just do it this way. If you if you be if you're flashy and do it this way, you're gonna have a shorter lifespan. Oh, I yeah. mean. I mean, Scorsese might have pointed that out. During, uh, yeah, uh, certain... I, I had read that quote, okay. <laughs> and I go, that checks out. I'll talk uh, about that later, but yeah. But yeah, I, uh, I think with that, we can get into the history cool. of how it got into production. Okay. So, uh, there are a couple accounts about how the idea to remake Scarface began, okay. but we'll start with Al Pacino's perspective. So, okay. Al Pacino said he went to the Tiffany Theater uh, on Sunset Boulevard, I believe. Uh, it's not there anymore, but it, yeah. it was in the mid mid to late 70s when he saw this. Yeah. Um, and he saw a uh, revival screening of Scarface 1932. He'd heard about it his entire life. He remembered his parents talking about it. Yeah. Um, but he was just kind of blown away by it, especially uh, Mooney's central performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he called it astounding and inspiring. Mm-hmm. And so he wanted to act like that. So he says he called Martin Bregman, who, again, was the producer of this and was his manager yeah. in his early days when he first got started. He actually discovered Pacino in like an off-Broadway play and got him his first role in The Panic in Needle Park. Mm-hmm. Um, also had produced Serpico and Dog Day Afternoon before this and continued producing uh, movies with Pacino uh, after this. Uh, but he began looking into the material and how to get the rights and, and that kind of thing. But Bregman, however, said it was he himself that came up with the idea. God. He caught it on late-night cable about 3 or 4 in the morning and called Pacino the next day and said he thought there was something here in a remake mm-hmm. so uh prior to this pacino had a couple films that hadn't done well uh, he had cruising in 1980 which was controversial but i you know we both consider it a good movie as we yeah. discussed mm-hmm. and author author 1982 which i haven't seen have you which one uh, it's I called author, author. author. No, yeah, I have not. that's the one right before this yeah, and, uh, yeah did not do well financially yeah so pacino was also kind of in a bind yeah. uh, and needed a, a, a big hit a boost yeah and so universal was intrigued by this idea of remaking uh you know this classic gangster movie and um, or mobster movie and having Pacino in the lead Uh, they originally wanted to keep it as a period piece and David Rabe wrote an early draft of the script which was way way closer to the original film Uh, he's still an Italian gangster in Chicago Bregman always wanted De Palma as director 
And mm-hmm. so De Palma began developing the script for a bit, but it just wasn't to com- coming together the way that he wanted, so he left. Sidney Lumet then came in and was going to direct it. His idea... That's a nut, that's Yeah, go ahead. So it was his idea uh-huh. to make the lead Cuban and set it in modern-day uh, modern immigrant. It's interesting... Uh, and in the cocaine trade. Yeah, it's inter- it. interesting because, again, De Palma did blow out right before this, and he took a scene that he was doing from Prince the City that ended up being a Lumet film. Right. And he put it in Blowout. And that became like the backstory of John Travolta's character in Blowout. And now you got Lamette coming in. Yeah. And making a change that would end up affecting another De Palma film. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, Oliver Stone at this point in his yeah. career had won an Oscar for Midnight Express, but his uh, film that he wrote and directed, The Hand, in 1981, had bombed. Um, but he was still considered a hot screenwriter because yeah. of the Oscar win. I think that gets you a couple that gets you, That gets you... Well, <laughs> it might be different now, but yeah. back then it got you two, maybe three. Yeah. But he actually initially turned the job down in classic Oliver Stone fashion uh, because he did not like the original film. Uh, After he had talked to Lamed and heard of this idea uh, of a modern retelling, he decided to sign on. He was intrigued by that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he took obviously took many, uh, as you can see in the final film, he took many major plot points from the original film, but modernized the characters uh, to fit this 80s Miami setting. Uh, And I think the money also talked to him because he was allegedly paid $300,000, which was the highest paid screenwriter at that time, which made him yeah. the highest paid screenwriter. God, those <laughs> were the days. But you know what? I got to say, I, 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 gotta, I gained a lot of respect for Oliver Stone for this. Uh, he researched the script while having his own troubles with cocaine addiction. I knew about that. But yeah. it actually, because he was a cocaine addict at the time, it allowed him to get into these underworld places that he normally, you know, if he was a straight shooter, just saying, hey, I'm he a screenwriter. get into. Right. Because he's sitting there doing he knew where to get coke yeah. yeah anyway so he traveled to miami with bregman and they scoured the records of the u.s attorney's office and organized crime bureau stone also interviewed people on both sides of the law including undercover narcotics agent nick navarro who gave him a lot of great details he also went to bolivia and a couple other locales uh, in south america but on the bolivia trip he took his wife with him because he felt it would make him look less like a, a undercover cop or something yeah uh, and so they ended up partying with some guys after he told them he was writing a screenplay about this underworld, uh, and things turned sour. Uh, he la- he later mentioned a name of someone who had helped him in Miami. I'm not oh, sure if no. it was Nick Navarro or, or somebody else, but it was somebody who was former law enforcement. And then they started to question, well, is this guy actually a screenwriter or is he an undercover cop claiming to be a screenwriter? Uh, Stone, Stone obviously must have talked his way out of it because he survived and he didn't really go into further details on that story but he said this tense moment reminded him of the fear he had often felt when he was in Vietnam uh, quote saying violence can come at any time yep. so I think he few- took that experience and uh, uh, and the paranoia possibly and put that into I think that's also, that's also present in the movie when, certain, when Tony walks into certain situations where it could become violent at any yeah. point we'll talk about the right. hotel scene later but yeah. like supposed to be simple and then we wind up with chainsaw that's yeah. a very De Palma thing um and he and he uh I think he knows you know something will probably go sideways in that deal well that's we, what we'll he talk says about later. yeah 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 we'll he talk can about never later. trust uh, yeah because yeah. he says like if I'm not out in 15 minutes yeah. something is wrong right but I don't think he knows the extent of what's no <laughs> no not at all but anyway so Stone after kind of doing this research period he went to Paris to write the screenplay in September 1981 because he believed he couldn't beat his coke addiction here in the states he knew too many people who could get it for him or who were on it okay that checks out <laughs> and so quote uh 
his quote saying, I don't think cocaine helps writing. It's very destructive to the brain cells. Mm. Um, Lumet dropped out around this time after the uh, Stone finished his draft uh, due to creative differences. Yep. He allegedly wanted to make it even more political and focus the fault on the current presidential administration, Reagan, that's, for the drug trade that was taking over the U.S. That sounds like Lumet. Yeah. yeah. Bregman, however, was not interested in, in, in diving further. I think there's still... Hints of that he there. Want, yeah. yeah, he wanted. Yeah, he wanted a balance. He wanted it. Yeah, push further in that direction. But I think. I mean, I think that's still there. That. Yeah. You know, the government's evolved. It, it, there's multiple shady figures. Yeah. Who, I mean. The, yeah. 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 Who Who will easily be paid off? Um. Mm -hmm. uh, Bregman was not interested in that though, and Oliver Stone has said that Lumet hated his script I don't doubt that at and all that either. he did not understand it. He didn't like the violence. He didn't like the over the topness, and yep. felt it was too cliche. So at this point. De Palma was brought back on as director with De Niro's suggestion, allegedly. Mm. Um, but I think Bregman always wanted him. So, uh, wanted, but he wanted to make a more commercial picture after Blowout, as yeah. we were discussing, yeah. because it hadn't done well financially and, the studio, and critically. Oh, hated yeah, as well. yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> but um, the studio was very leery of De Palma. Yep. They felt he might become eccentric, uh, <laughs> which is foreshadowing for what's to come. Mm -hmm. Bregman said that they sent Stone's draft and De Palma loved it. He yep. felt it was an interesting way to bring this story into the modern era. Also felt like a modern day treasure of the Sierra Madre, but instead of the gold, it was cocaine that they're fighting over. Uh, De Palma I feel felt like he's made that comparison several times in sure movies yes. before. Um, De Palma felt that working with Stone during this period, the development period, and you know, polishing up the screenplay, was mm. a lively collaboration. Again, foreshadowing. <laughs> uh, and I read different things about De Niro's hand in all this. Uh, one was that he was offered the role and turned it down. Uh, and then another that he told Pacino if he didn't end up playing it, he'd play the role when Scorsese would direct it. But I assume this was when they were originally developing the Chicago version. I think that makes more sense. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, Pacino trained with knife experts and boxer Robert Duran to get into shape, uh, to the shape that he envisioned for Montana, Tony Montana. Mm -hmm. Duran inspired the character of Montana because, as Pacino put it, he had that lion in him. He was also inspired by Meryl Streep's performance as Sophie, a Polish immigrant in Sophie's Choice, 1982. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, she's she's great. That you're talking about a performance that's just incredible. Mm -hmm. She's amazing in that movie. In a, in a like a okay movie. Like I've never seen it. That's fine. Like, like, that's uh, fine. I didn't see it until a few years ago. She's amazing. Like she's amazing. Well, she won an Oscar, right? She won yeah. an Oscar for it. The movie is like Alan Pakula to the movie. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, but this was a long, arduous casting process outside of this, according to De Palma. Mm -hmm. Allegedly, John Travolta was De Palma's first choice for Manolo. Gosh. Because <laughs> obviously they had just yeah. collaborated. Um, Stephen Bauer, though, was supposedly cast without an audition. Casting director Alex Gordon saw Bauer and immediately felt he was right. Mm -hmm. um, he was training with Stella Adler at the time when he got a call from her. So he met with her in Los Angeles. Then he flew to New York. Or she calls De Palma on the phone and says, hey, this guy's perfect. Yeah. You got to meet him. He flies to New York, meets with De Palma. De Palma says the same thing. Oh, man, you, you got the perfect look. I got, I'm going to send you to the... Uh, he calls Bregman. Mm -hmm. I'm going to send you over there. He flies back to L.A., meets with Bregman, and they just kind of talked and whatnot. And then Bregman basically told him he was going to play Manny. He said, mm -hmm. it's gonna, it might take some time. We got to do some Hollywood politics stuff, but yeah. you are going to play the role. Um, and Manny and um, Steven said that his agents were like, no, I wouldn't put too much stock into that. Don't don't fully buy into that. But he was yeah. like, no, no, I know. I, I have a feeling this is going to go. Mm -hmm. um, so Bauer actually helped Pacino with his Cuban accent. I was like, because uh, Bauer's actually Cuban. He is. He is he's actually Cuban. He came here when he was four years old and lived in Miami growing up. Mm -hmm. um, 
Stephen Bauer is his stage name, obviously. I will try to pronounce it the full. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, But Stephen would come over to Pacino's house for breakfast over the summer, uh, and uh, Pacino's friends in the neighborhood would stop by. Apparently, Martin Sheen would come over during the day. Oh, wow. uh, but they would just hang out. They wouldn't read the script. They mm-hmm. would just discuss the backstories of their characters. Yeah. Uh, Real quick thing. Did yeah. you see who, who Stephen Bauer was friends with at University of Miami? Uh-huh. Ray Liotta. No, no way. What a connection. <laughs> Uh, Next week on Goodfellas. <laughs> but they became, uh, but Bauer and uh, Pacino became genuine friends through this process, uh-huh. and that gave them that chemistry that Yeah, they have great chemistry on this movie. Uh, Pacino, though, also hired a, a dialect coach who helped him with aspects of the pronunciation. <laughs> uh, and then a lot of the people surrounding Tony, like the, the smaller roles, were also played by Cuban actors who could help him if he had questions. Yeah. Uh, later on set, Pacino actually asked John A. Alonzo, Alonzo, the DP, to only speak to him in Spanish. Yeah. Uh, even if he didn't fully understand what he was saying, he wanted to hear it, and Alonzo honored that request. Yeah. Pfeiffer was pretty much only known for her role in Grease 2. Yeah, baby. <laughs> and she was in her early 20s at the time. She's the one that made it out of Grease 2, basically. <laughs> She's kind of the only one. Both Pacino and De Palma did not want her, but Bregman fought for her because the studio wanted her. Uh-huh. Uh, so De Palma met with her, uh, he, he enjoyed the meeting, but he was like, let's get a read and, and mm-hmm. things going. So she did a read uh, and then she did a screen test with Pacino and they were all impressed with their chemistry. But yeah. to test her, Bregman made her pay for her flight to the screen test um, and then to see how, you know, if she was hungry enough for the role. Uh, but they later, later reimbursed her. But, he, Dick move. Yeah, but it was his test. He said he'd done this before, but this was his test to see if she actually really wanted it. Okay. Uh, but Glenn Close was actually the original choice for the role. And Pacino wanted her because she had a great audition. But Yeah, and this is, a, this is right after Big Chill, probably. Yeah. But there were many others considered, including, but not limited to, right. Courtney Cox, Gina Davis, Carrie Fisher, Cameron Mannheim, Kelly McGillis, Lorraine Newman, Sharon Stone, and Celia Ward, Cella Ward, who all auditioned but did not get it. Celia Ward, yeah. yeah. Oh, see, I said it right the first time. Yeah, she was an Alabama grab. Oh, trust wow. me, I know. Oh, there's more. <laughs> Rosanna Arquette, Kim Bassinger, Jodie Foster, Melanie Griffith, Sylvia Crystal, Jennifer Jason Lee, Kathleen Turner, and Deborah Winger all turned it down. They it, can't all turn that role down. Isabella Johnny. Karen Allen, Sandra Bernhardt, Jamie Lee Curtis, De- Donna Delaney, Jessica Lange, Kay Lins, Annie Potts, and Sigourney Weaver were also considered. I mean, I, I say they couldn't turn it down, but I'm also trying to think of like De Palm, how people have viewed DePalm probably, at this time yeah. of his portrayal and, of violence and, against and, women. And probably reading the script, they probably were like, yeah. oh, there's not enough here for me to, you know. There's not th- a lot. Th- yeah. Thinking that, thinking yeah, that yeah. when they're reading. Uh, Brooke Shields also was offered the role, but her mother uh, convinced her to turn it down. Yep. That sounds about right, too. All right. But Pacino fought for Robert Loccia as Frank. Yeah. Uh, Bregman thought he would be too expensive, but he had a great reading, and they all agreed. Yeah. They actually rented Miriam Colon's uh, theater in New York for the sessions, who was up for Tony's role, like not knowing this. Yeah. Not only that she was up for the role for Tony's mother, um, and she actually got the, got the role, but they were using mm-hmm. her theater that she owned in New York for the session, these casting sessions. <laughs> um, some actors said they actually uh, auditioned up to six ti- six different times to get their roles uh, in regards to like Tony's crew and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, Brian then did well once it, once it was cast. Brian then did rehearsals with the script, basically treated it as a play. They had a month of rehearsal time, according wow. to to uh, Stephen Bauer, wow. uh, which is rare, especially nowadays. But Bregman and De Palma fought for it with the studio. Uh, Oliver would actually would also add, kind of tying back into the Goodfellas thing. Oliver Oliver Stone would also add some ad limbing from these sessions from, into from the, the session, script. Yeah. And with that, we can get to favorite scenes. So, what's funny in your favorite scenes, Brandon? I mean, the early beginnings of Tony Montana. Yeah. Like, just the whole... I mean, I love when he's being questioned 
Uh, I mean, what an introduction. I'm a political, uh, whatever. A refugee. Refugee. Um, and you just instantly know this is Pacino's show. Like this is. Oh yeah. yeah. And he's given his all. Yeah. He yeah he is he it, it's gonna be Al Pacino all the way here, and he's gonna be chewing scenery and doing yeah. an accent and all of that. But it's also showing how good of a bullshitter he is and how he's uh, able to play people. I mean, it, it's he he takes everything. Yeah, that's, that's a good point because he says a lot throughout the movie. Like he's a negotiator, right? He pl- he he knows the angle of the moment and knows how to play it. And you're gonna see that throughout the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Um. It's it's he's he's able to, for the most part, when he has a handle of his emotions, he's the smartest guy in the room. Right. And when he doesn't, he makes just fatal decisions, essentially. Um, but yeah, I love that sequence when they're there, and I love right after that where they end up going to kind of like the the Hooverville of, yeah. of Cuban immigrants. Basically. And we get one of those great De Palma crane shots De Palma introducing crane, it. Crane shots. And he's playing. He's playing basketball with a bunch of people. <laughs> oh, you're scared. He almost made it. Like it's like, he, yeah, he's great. But then it's like, and you bring the. And again, I coming from someone who hadn't seen Scarface before, yeah. I I didn't expect it to essentially play like a biopic. Yeah, yeah. Of of a character of like the rags to riches. Like mm-hmm. he literally is starting off like in the slums out of Miami, like in tents and stuff with people and base and starts, I mean, you and becomes a drug Lord. Yeah. And becomes a drug Lord. Yeah. Like goes from like being in jail Pennies to his Cu- name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Being in jail in Cuba to building a massive estate in Miami. Um, and he's, and what's weird with his character is like, and, and I, and I feel like this is, I wonder if this is De Palma or stone, there's certain moments that they have where they make him have some kind of like heart, if that makes yeah. sense. I mean, he does have some sort of morality. There is yeah. some, some morality yeah. to him uh, because you have the moment early on where it's like very simple, but when him and Manny are at the pool and watch my friend here. He's going to have to sit down for this. He's going to stick his down. tongue out. Yes, it's, it's, yeah. But then later again, when the, when they're about to possibly kill the political activists yeah. later on and when no the, kids, yeah. no kids, no, no, I'm not killing a wife and kid and I have yeah. a wife and kid on me. He would rather shoot a dude point blank <laughs> in his car. Right. Then, then get off scot free from killing like a wife and, and kids. Yeah. Um, and so, but yeah, so you see, but, but again, he, he's okay with, he's okay with killing, killing if it's like, he says at one point, he's like, I don't screw one over that doesn't have it coming to them. Right. Uh, and you had a moment when he like, when very much is thought about when he asked him to kill the political activist that's coming into the, the slums basically. And it's just like, oh, like for a green car, I'll carve yeah. him. I'll carve him up. Yeah, and he's also like, oh, I, I would have just done that for free. I, well, yeah. I, I love killing communists. Yeah, <laughs> crazy like, dude. Like this person, like, yeah. like it's like it's like he it's because they're so uh, opposed polit- or you know economically in, in in economic theory yeah. that he's you know and also coming from Cuba and you know we won't get too far into the history. Yeah, but yeah. coming from Fidel's takeover and whatnot, he's he's seen some shit and he, well, he he has that moment. Yeah. Well, he has that moment again again trying to pull on the heartstrings of the cops in a way where he's saying like, Oh, like, have you ever just like worked all day and got nothing for yeah. it? Like kind of saying like, he's there. He's trying to land like what Americans think. Yeah. And that's values. what I kind of mean about 
playing with that guy. It's yeah. like, oh, I bet this guy's a conservative, yeah. hates communism. I'm going to play to that. <laughs> I work all day and get yeah. nothing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me just have a chance to get something. Right, yeah. Um, but also that's kind of the lie that, uh, you know, the United States sells internationally is that you can come here with two pennies to your name and, and build get, yourself up. And build yourself up. But, you know, a lot of times it takes generations to get out well, of poverty. Well, yeah. and that's what, and that's the part that happens later when he go, he's working at the, uh, um, the restaurant. As a dishwasher, as a yeah. dishwasher. He's just like, I didn't come... From Cuba yeah. to work like here, yeah. like when, and also just this how close you are mm-hmm. to it. Where he's washing dishes at this like small town, like small time, like on the side of the road, like yeah. Cuban restaurant, and right across the street is this massive club. Yeah, and it's actually the same. It's like Little Havana restaurant and Little Havana club, mm-hmm. and the club is just like extravagant. He's right across, so close. And he's sitting here washing dishes, right? With no, with no future. Yeah. Um, and I love immediately after that when he goes to the car and we get the introduction to F. Murray Abraham, who's amazing yeah. in this movie, dude. As, with, o- as Omar, like the way yeah. he's acting, he's like bobbing along to the music, yeah. like having a conversation with him, having a conversation with the guy in the car at the same yeah. time. It's great. But you, but in this moment, you see Tony's drive and how he's not—he's not afraid to bust anybody's balls. You know, yeah. he, he'll, he'll, he doesn't give a shit. He's gonna, you know, know. fight his way to the top. He doesn't care. Well, because he—because yeah. it's the idea that, like, look, I know where I've been. Yeah. Anything you're gonna do to me, mm-hmm. it's not gonna be worse than that. Right. Like, I don't care. Like. He's someone that's aware, like, I know what I want in life, and that's all I need to know. Yeah. Everything else. He's, like, solely focused on that. Yeah, everything else is just in my way. Right, right. Um, And so that, of course, leads to the famous Colombian, that that, that interaction leads to the famous Colombian drug dealing scene in the hotel. If you want to talk about, like, the the most De Palma sequence of the movie, it's it's probably this, if I had to guess, Uh, if I had to, like... Pinpoint one. Well, I mean, it even has that again. Back to the the famous De Palma crane shots, but it crane once they're like chained up in the in the shower, about to get the chainsaw from the window yeah. to the car. And then you crane down to the car and you see that Manolo's being distracted because uh, yeah, he's hitting yeah. hitting on a woman. Yeah, woman. Uh, and then it cranes right back up, and the chainsaw's revving now. And it, yeah, and, it's great. Well, uh, and 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 also like how like how De Palma is so good. At showing violence without fully showing violence. Yeah, that's exactly like what we talked about with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Is it, he he doesn't f- show the chainsaw ever connecting. We, Toby we just, Hooper, yeah, 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 or or in uh, De Palma as well. But we yeah. we we fill in that gap. Although De Palma has the blood spraying. <laughs> well, no, yeah, he has that. But like, yeah. you're not seeing like a limb be exactly. cut off. Well, and and De Palma, of course, uh, a student of Hitchcock, he was very much influenced by the Psycho Shower scene, obviously. Yeah. And same thing, you never see that knife actually connect. No. It's just suggested. He, he's someone that aware that like. W- what is more terrifying is just the, the suggestion is the of the human mind yeah. creating the image of what is happening. Right. It's like, there's so much that said that like once like you all of a sudden you see like Tony's hands go up, you go, Oh, they just, they just chopped that dude up. Yeah. That's basically yeah. what it's yeah. saying. And there's blood everywhere. You, there's blood everywhere yeah. And you don't see him yeah, anywhere. Right. right. And you're like, Oh, he's, he's been chopped up. Brutal basically. man. It was funny. Cause when I was uh, a kid and saw, or, or not a kid, sorry. <laughs> When I was a kid watching like this. Like preteen, you know, watching this on, on cable, I, I always thought that this scene was chopped up. But when you actually watch it, you're like, oh, no, they, no, they, they really don't. Yeah. He, they, yeah. I mean, and we say that it might just be good. Maybe we're desensitized to it. I don't know. But I, I do think as, as a filmmaking well, approach. Yeah, exactly. No, that was definitely his intention was to. Yeah, to, he, he knows. And he understands the language of cinema, how to get the point across. And that anything he shows won't be as impactful as what we fill in with our minds. Yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, and then I love obviously, obviously how that all wraps up. Tony takes control, and you kind of see this this early step in his yeah. his chain of, of what he's going to do and yeah. how he's going to take over. And just goes out in the street and shoots <laughs> that guy, guy point blank. blank. So, and after that, you're just like, he don't yeah. give a shit. Like, but I think this scene also sets the stakes in, uh, of what this world can you know, having the first like big confrontation be with a chainsaw and whatnot, like that's yeah. like, oh shit! Well, what the hell else is he gonna get? And, and how it can turn on yeah. a dime so right. quickly? Where it's like it's the woman in the in the bed, and all of a yeah. sudden she's pulling a shotgun I, right for the floor of the pillow. <laughs> oh, but yeah, what's what about another scene for you? Okay, so I love. Um, so obviously, after this sequence, he um, he's like he calls Omar, says, "Hey, we got the money and we got the AO. We got them both." Yeah, and he's like. But I'm not giving it to you. I want to give it to the boss. I love that. And then again, oh yeah, and you're out by the beat. The payphone. Yeah, beautiful. Um, but and then this sequence, of course, introduces Elvira. Elvira. Yeah, and and you get that great like '80s. What's become cliche, but in the moment it wasn't. There's zooming in. Yeah, there's a lot of music choices and certain things that just like have become cliche now that like still work for this movie. Right. But yeah, yeah. And you push in on her and then you push in on him and But but what's great, it's like again, it's it's he you don't see her. It's all like you see her back as she's like slowly coming down the elevator um and and you're seeing her come out. But like I almost wonder again. I'm t- I'm taking a little bit back of my earlier statement about Stone versus De Palma. I feel like earlier on this movie is a lot of De Palma, but it becomes more Stone later. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Because as I'm noticing, I think it's more. I think it's flashier in the beginning part of the movie. It doesn't really get as flashy. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But I just feel like this first part has a lot of that De Palma flair. Sure, sure, sure. But later on, it's more of the like betrayal and this and that yeah, yeah, yeah. and the political politic, political aspect of it mm-hmm. um it feels more stone for sure for sure oh uh, and then of course i love after, right after that scene when they go to the club and uh you know frank's already giving him advice and, yeah. and trying to mentor him in a way um and and you can uh, and then you know obviously after this when he's driving the way Pacino's oh, dancing, dancing. <laughs> the way he's dancing the eyes like, chico they never lie and, she, and she's like i don't, I don't want to i'm not take like uh from who's off the banana boat banana boat <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> yeah but you already see like he's he's already seeing through frank and he's already seeing like 10 steps oh, no. ahead oh yeah. no yeah it's like there's a moment what there's there's a moment when, they, when they're at when they when elvira when she shows up or whatever and i think kind of after that moment was that he's he's like eyeing up frank yeah um, like he's already figured out omar he i think he already thinks that omar as he casts later on he thinks Omar like set him up. Yeah, yeah. In some way, and like Frank is just—I think it's just a time will tell when I can like overtake. This yeah, guy. I'm just waiting for that opportunity yep. to, to to sneak my way in there. Um, and then yeah, then we get to the the scene of Tony and Manolo at the poolside bar, oh, which yeah. is amazing. Uh, he sticks his tongue out. He's <laughs> like a lizard. <laughs> Look at my friend here. <laughs> Um, but then I, we get to probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie because of how heartbreaking I find it is when Tony visits his mother and sister. Oh man! Um, and we and yes, we understand why his mother has disowned him, even though the backstory is somewhat vague. We, yeah, we get it. He, he's into some shady shit, and you know, because she says like you didn't, you didn't, or you couldn't write from jail, right. or Whatever. Yeah, and so um, I also think also great score in that oh, yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you kind of, and then we get introduced to to Gina, his sister, and we see like this is the one pure thing in his life, and that's kind of, in my opinion, why he becomes so overprotective. Yeah, and again, talk about Pacino here in comparison to all the other scenes. It's him at his most subtle, right, right, in the movie. 
is that he, well, I think it's because also the character has to be so showy for everyone else because yeah. he's somewhat compensating for yeah. where he comes from and whatnot. Whereas with his family, he's like more so trying to get back in the good graces of his mother yeah. and and show and, Gina and, that and he's, in a way not be his father because right. can he have a part when he when she said when when, Dad left, when when Pop left he was like no there's no Pop yeah it's just us that guy never get yeah yeah uh, but like he takes it because almost like he he knows she's not lying right and he can't go against his mom because because yeah. Any other scene, Pacino's like, "What do you mean?" Like, like going off <laughs> right, on right, this right, person, right, right. but he's aware. Like, she's not wrong, right? Right. And I can't argue that. Um, and and but this is this is I I know she, it's almost it's almost the idea that he, I wonder if it, he played this way. It, like, he almost feels sorry for her in a way. Yeah, because she's bought into the system. Because she's bought she's into the system. She's breaking her back for the factory, and he's saying, "I got a pile of cash right here. I can. You don't have to work again a day in your life." Yeah, you know. But, but she just, doesn't want it because she's of, tied down to the rules of the system. Yeah, when yeah. he's aware that there are no rules. Yeah, that's okay, what well. Realize. If you want to get ahead, right? Yeah, if you yeah. want to get ahead, there are yeah. no rules. Right. Um, and then, of course, we get introduced to Bolivia, which fucking love that title card with the music, man. Yeah. Uh, and then you, we meet Sosa, um, mm-hmm. who's kind of his second mentor in the business in a way. Yeah. Um, and so Sosa's great assistant, Alberto, who's played by that dude that's in Breaking Bad, um, who also does the bomb later. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, and then, of course, they also set up the dude with the shades who, uh, you know, yeah. Shakespeareanly d- d- Comes takes, back and yeah, him, takes yeah, him out. Takes him out. Who, who was referred to as the skull. I never knew that until I was watching the behind mm. the scenes. That was the character name. That's what he's credited as. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, I love this whole sequence in Bolivia. You know, you kind of see Tony uh, further exploring his skills and like how he's able to negotiate and whatnot and taking over in a way. And like t- subtly. Yeah. Too. You, what Tony does is, is that he's poking. Yeah. He's poking. Testing. He's yeah. testing yeah. to see how far he can get in a lot of these scenes. It's like first he does with Omar, and then later he's gonna do it with Frank. Right. Like it, it's like he sees something, and then he starts kind of angling in and starts poking through. Mm-hmm. And he does it with Omar um, when they're walking through the factory, but he's not pushing it yet. But he, when he, they get to sit at the table and they're talking through everything, that's when he starts to push through. Yeah. So he's already done it previously with Omar when him and Manny, and he's taking he's kind of overpowering Manny. Now he's overpowering Omar. Yeah. In this moment, and Omar doesn't like it, and so, um, and frankly, it's it's because then it turns the idea that like oh, Omar's an informant, right? Like he says like oh, like he my my guy says that he he <laughs> that shot that, this seems so brutal. Oh, yeah. to throw him out of the helicopter, them out, like, hang him out of the helicopter. <laughs> yeah. They've already Jeez. beat him. Well, so, and also the shot of like when it cuts to like him looking with yeah, the, his point with, of view with binoculars, and that's also very De Palma. That is very De Palma. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's subtle De Palma. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's De Palma light. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think at this point he's gotten too big for Frank, right? Or because Frank doesn't even—he's like, why, why would you do this deal? This is like way he, more coke he than knows we can. He's, yeah, yeah, he knows. And, and and after that, it's the like, it's the poking at that. Yeah, it's the like, uh, he, like I'm the boss or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like he says to him, and then he has that. Uh, meeting with Elvira that that, he, that Frank doesn't even know about at, yeah. her, at her pool, pool where he brings up the idea of kids and stuff. Having, having kids with her. <laughs> um, and kind of admits his... Uh, he gives her his backstory and kind of admits his, his feelings for like, her. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I am like a, yeah. a, a a guy who came over here on a boat or whatever, Like, but I want to be more than that. And then uh, and then we go back to... Oh, so, well, I guess we're just going to go through the whole see, see, uh, thing. But then we get to the other club well, sequence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the thing about this movie is, again, for... for for a movie that's two hours and fifty minutes, yeah. like 
it's not like tons of scenes. Sure, if sure. That yeah, makes yeah. sense. And again, I think that's the Palma too. Like, the, yeah, the longer takes and the Long, yeah, yeah, longer scenes again. Play, playing things out, like yeah. not necessarily just boom, 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 boom. Yeah, because there's although it does, it does move pretty. It moves pretty well. really yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think I think it's a, it's a little too long, but as we get later on, yeah. Um, but then when he comes to the club and he sees uh, his sister dancing with that douchebag looking dude, yeah, and he and it zooms into Pacino with that eerie score and it just kind of yeah. already sets up like, oh, this dude's. He's about to go yeah, off. He's about to kill a motherfucker. And then we get the shady cop who's like, yeah, yeah you just got to pay me off. Yeah, yeah our guy, um, <laughs> um, oh gosh, uh, Harris Eulen from Night Moves. Right. That we talked about. He's, uh, you know, he, and then I, I love that, that sequence too, cause, uh, or that scene too, because Pacino's like, well, how many, or Tony's like, how many more cops am I going to have to grease? Like, yeah. you know, how do I know you're the last one? He's like, I can't handle that, man. You yeah, just got to yeah. do it with me to, you know. Yeah, so I, I love this whole sequence, and then of course it, it builds yeah. to the confrontation in the bathroom. Yeah, it builds the confrontation in the bathroom, and then right after that, it builds to the like uh, the attempted assassination, kill, of, assassination him. of And Tony. again, that's one of the shots I was referring to earlier. If, you know, he's in the booth by himself, yeah, and like the guy's up on stage doing something funny, yeah. and he's just sitting there like depressed, yeah, and he's like realizing like, oh, I'm about to take over, but this isn't giving me anything, right? Yeah, it's yeah, it, it's it, not filling that void or, or whatever you want to say. I'm still alone in a club. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> um, or it's the idea that like, or, or it's the idea, yeah, or he's it's he's gotten it's the idea of more, always having right. more. Is that he has reached a point where, if he was in Cuba still, and he was told, hey, in two years from now or whatever, you'll be here, he would have been ecstatic. Right. And now he's there, and he's like, I'm alone. I don't have a girl. I don't. I'm not really the boss. I'm not the the. Uh, the uh, master of my own fate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still have to answer to somebody, right? And friends are gone. No girl, family doesn't want me. What do I do? Right, right. And Frank kind of pushes, tips his, or basically forces his hand. Mm-hmm. Of well, if you, if I guess, if you want to get out of it, you're gonna have to get more in some yeah. way. And so it's, and so yeah, you have the attempted assassination tip. And he goes and. When he great scene when he confronts Frank. When, yeah. he, when he confronts Frank. Well, first he sets it up, and then yeah, he sets it up. And the great moment that is very smart that I love is when he gets his friends like, "Hey, call it three sharp." Yeah. Say he got away, blah blah, blah. and that's gonna be Tony's cue that Frank was the one that did it. Yeah. Um. But he, yeah, and he definitely wants to gauge his reaction on yeah how he reacts. Because he, he, I mean, he know he. Nah, because the calls don't come in either way. Right. He wants to see how he reacts to the call. Right. Right. Because if he goes like, "What the hell was that?" Yeah. That's one thing. When he goes like, uh, when he tries to okay, play it off, yeah, play yeah. it off, then he knows he did it. Um, and that's a great scene where he and then was, he's like begging for his life, begging and, for his life. I'm not gonna kill you. I'm not kill him. Manny, kill this guy. <laughs> get, off uh, my, get off my shoes. And then yeah, he kills the the yeah, cop. Air, air yeah, yeah, yeah. When, uh, he, when he's just when the guy's just like. Shoots him in the stomach, <laughs> but then even in that moment, the crooked cop's kind of like, I, "I told him not to do it." I, well, <laughs> he, he, well, again, it's the idea of like how people try and negotiate. Right. He's trying to like, I tell him not to. I was yeah. like, "You've been working for us." Yeah, he, you t- you pissed him off about the girl. That's what did it. <laughs> Everything else was good. But I love Ernie in the background. You want a job, Ernie? Oh no! That <laughs> moment when he's like, "What about Ernie?" And they're all just sitting there. Ernie's just like, "Oh shit!" And he goes. Well, job, Ernie. <laughs> and it's, thank like, you, thank it's, you, Tony. It's a very like, De Palma holds, <laughs> and he's and, like sweating, sweating, and then and he's like, "Call me tomorrow, Tony. We'll chat." And he leaves, and he like downs like some Jack Daniels <laughs> yeah. or whatever. 
And then, thanks, of course, Tony. Thanks, he, Tony. he goes to Elvira and has her pack up her things. And I think in his mind, he, he thinks he's freeing her, but then he turns around and treats her, it's, it, it's, if not the same, even it's worse. Because yeah, yeah, she yeah. kind of says it, yeah. like... Well, Frank never talked about right. money and everything all the, all the time. But while she's packing up, you get that shot of the blimp, the world is yours, the world and, is yours. and the blue, beautiful blue skyline. Yeah, and he's watching from yeah. the, yeah. From. And then this is the point where he is, he's Tony Montana. He is the I, drug yeah. lord now. I'm, yeah. It's like, I, I've gotten everything I want, and then yeah. immediately it cuts, like, he's, again, the montage. The of push like, it to the limit montage. Push to the limit montage. <laughs> Talk about 80s to full tilt, baby. <laughs> Push it to the limit. Whatever it's, it's like. I love all the the uh, the front businesses are <laughs> like Montana yeah. travel. Monta- Tony Montana Realty, <laughs> uh, or, or yeah, Montana Realty. Yeah, uh, he has Monta- G- G- uh, Gina's beauty oh, salon, yeah. Yeah. and just carry in the bag the bags of money to the bank. <laughs> but see that again. That's a, that's back to the the point we were making earlier. It's like the bank doesn't give a shit that the no. that he's giving them this money. They just want a, their piece. They want their piece yeah. of it. And that's the thing. Like later when he when he tries to. To yeah. do it the other way, like uh, you know, launder the money, uh, he gets caught. And yeah. that's the whole thing. It's like all these people are, are willing to be bought off. They just want their yeah, piece. And he says, yeah. like, he's like, he goes, No, 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 we want to keep you here. Like, we, right. we, we want to take care of you. Yeah. He's like, any bank like charge we gotta you. make sure that we're not getting asked questions. Right, right. IRS is wondering, I just gotta give you the full thing like yeah. everybody else. He's like, you don't take care of me? Like Yeah. And I think this is kind of the point where he realizes, oh, maybe capitalism does have some faults. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Because there's always going to be rules yeah. in some way that you can't bypass. Yeah. Um, and um, you're going to be. Yeah, but so, I love that he gets his tiger as well. <laughs> like the fucking. Oh yeah, he gets the tiger. <laughs> oh, they're running down from the from the from after getting married. Look at the tiger. But and then yeah. So but then and then but then right pretty much right when we get there, it's like again he has his office. He has this. Everyone's already now like questioning like yeah, why are we doing all this? Yeah, yeah. And it's like it's like the point like the, the bank guy who's like, oh forget we we. We gotta get us. We gotta save more money, mm-hmm. uh, and then like, and then Manny's like, "Yo, why do we have all this security, man?" <laughs> He's like that, and like when he says it's twelve percent of our gross. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, twelve percent, not not profit, <laughs> gross. I think <laughs> I, I, like revenue. Yeah, yeah, twelve percent of our revenue, like basically twelve percent of what we're spending, is going to paying for the security team and yeah. the keys. I feel safe at night. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing, like like you were saying earlier, the, this paranoia. I mean, he's always going to be looking over his back for the rest of the movie yeah. because of what he, the steps he took he to knows, get it. Yeah. He knows that there's always going to be someone looking t- to get that. And top so, so even tells him, don't you ever fuck me, Tony. Don't yeah. You? <laughs> he says, I'll tell you one time. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. Uh, and that's what he says. Like, I, I, I never scream anyone over that doesn't have it coming to him. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we get the great scene of Tony in the bath, in his big bath, jacuzzi bath. Oh, yeah. And um, Elvira's behind him. And she, he's like, oh, she said something? Yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, they get into their argument. Then he gets into an argument with Manny. Yeah. And again, once again, we see how it's cr- it's a slow crane and a small crane, but yeah. it's craning back and you just see how alone he is in this big room. Yeah. Yeah. No one around him. And he's get, and again he's and gotten, he's pushing people away. He's well. get, yeah, he's yeah. gotten everything he wants, and was he still do? Yeah, he says like, oh no, I'll handle the yeah the guy. I'll handle uh whatever the the, the dudes, the accountant guy, or mm-hmm. the he's like, I'll handle him. Like you're not a good negotiator, Manny. You all you, you know that. And so again, it's pushing him around so he can get more money, right? So he can get more and more. And then you got you you cut to like them at the dinner scene. At, yeah. Well, oh. dinner's later. It's it's is that later? It's it's when he gets it's 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 when he gets in, um, oh he gets caught he gets laundering caught. money first yeah yeah laundering yeah. money first yeah. um 
You're gonna be working in Alaska count by the time it, I get Count it again. <laughs> yeah, I love that. They're like, he's like, where'd that thousand whatever go? Yeah, fifteen hundred. He was just like, count it again. It's like fifteen hundred of give you hundreds that. of thousands of dollars. He's yeah. worried about fifteen hundred again. <laughs> it's that it's that money is 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 right. his fatal flaw. Is yeah. I have to have more. And the guy's like, dude, just take it. I don't care. <laughs> like, because again, yeah, I think as as an undercover guy, you're just like, oh god, I'm not gonna keep counting this money for this guy. Um, and then, yeah, of course, he after that, he he's in some legal trouble. Uh, but Sosa says they can cover it if he does the the bomb. Yeah. Um, and then we get the dinner, the great dinner scene. Say goodnight to the bad guy. His famous Say, bad guy speech. Yeah, yeah, I wrote that down. Oh, what a great speech, man. Uh, but and again, he ends up at the dinner alone as well. Like she's yeah. already leaving because he, he's starting another yeah. argument, saying he can't procreate because of her drug addiction, even yeah. though he's also. He's also <laughs> a fucked up. A few scenes later, he has a pile of cocaine. <laughs> uh, uh, but anyways, and then um, that's when we get to that great tense sequence, which I also think is very De Palma of the of the bomb and and him. Yes, he, he's he's literally like telling the guy, "I don't want to do this. Yeah, don't do this. Don't push me." Yeah, and he's his rage is building as yeah. they're dry as they're chasing the other car, and because they have to stay so close. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. Um, plot devices. They have to stay so close to the yeah. other car uh, for it to blow. And then he shoots the guy point like in the point light with a shot with, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and then you you see in the in the back his two like uh, his two dudes. So they're like, oh, we fucked. Like he's. Oh, fucked they up. Know, oh, you know what? Yeah. They know. Yeah, they know what's gonna happen. But again, it's like Tony doesn't care. It's it's like he he has like a he doesn't have much of a code. Right. But the code he has, he wants to stick by. Well, I think he says that to Sosa in the in that scene we were talking about earlier. He's like, all I have in this world is my balls and my word, and I never. Those I are two things I won't break for anybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we get this great last couple scenes. I, I mean, are, I mean yeah. pretty much, pretty much. I would say from the car yeah. onward is just a you're watching this guy spiral. Yeah, is that you have the scene where he go later on? He goes to find Manny mm-hmm. and Cause Tina because he, he was supposed to be in charge, and he's disappeared. And he's disappeared, yeah. and then he gets a call from his mom that that Gina's disappeared and I don't know where she goes and she's blaming him for mm-hmm. it and all that. And then he goes and sees Manny and he sees Gina walking out of the bedroom in her nightgown and he's high on cocaine and he just kills his With, best friend. Without hesitation. Without hesitation. Point, I, was like, like, I was like, when I saw him, he's about to get shot. <laughs> I was like, man. Well, like, then you get the great De Palma slow motion. Yeah, and she's coming down. She's coming down the back. And, is, and yeah. you see, and again, you get that eerie sound whenever yeah. Pacino's about I get, to go I off. guess when I, I make my comment about De Palma, because we're talking about all De Palma stuff. <laughs> well, guess, we, we'll get in a lot into stuff. I, like, I think it's more the yeah. average of like, it's two, and a, two yeah. hours and 50 minutes. Yeah. And it's not to Palma. Sure. Like, no, 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 no. I yeah, agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I totally get your point. Yeah. And uh, then, but yeah, and that's great. And, and then, then you get a f- great final. And you get the final sh- before the final shit when she comes in. Oh, she's and their like, confrontation. You yeah. want me? Like, is that what it is? That's you've yeah. been jealous the entire time. You've you wanted me the entire time. And that's from like that's from like to Palma could go really creepy if you yeah. wanted to with, with this relationship even beforehand. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and the shootout's amazing. <laughs> I'm still standing. <laughs> I'm still standing. Fucking with me, you fucking with the best. <laughs> Boys, don't stop me. You want to play? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I love when he fucking shoots that noob tube through the doors. Yeah. And fucking blows that guy. Yeah. All right, but with that, uh, unless you had any other favorite <laughs> scenes, I, feel like we went I love the Howard Hawks Ben Heck shout yeah. out. Yeah. Oh, and and that's a great final crane shot yeah. too of him in the water. And, and I think I don't, I, mis- I I might be mistaken, but talking about history of this movie, I was watching this. I go, I feel like I've seen this set before. I don't know if I've if I've seen this scene before. But I also think there was a video game that used this scene, that, that the, his estate, 
as like a part of a level in a, a game called Time Splitters Two. Oh, okay. I wouldn't be surprised because because his because the character is like a Chicago. Yeah, yeah. It's not Cuban, but it's Chicago. Uh, they're raiding uh, a 1930s Chicago because they're they're jumping through time. Yeah. But but the the big boss on the level is Big Tony. Is, oh, that's probably a nod. That's gotta I, be a nod. And I'm pretty yeah. sure it's the yeah. it's the staircase up and the pool in the middle. Yeah. So I think you have to go through like a time portal that's in the pools uh, uh, at the end of that level. But but I was, I was like, I was like, I'm pretty sure. And I was like googling. I was like, can I get someone to <laughs> to, to confirm this? Because and why I thought that is because in another scene, another level in that game, it's Blade Runner. It's like Neo Tokyo, oh, okay. and it has very Blade Runner vibes. And like other levels, like based off of Bond movies, so I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that had is, to be a this nod. This had to be a nod to like yeah. Scarface. Anyway, I'm right. done. But with that, <laughs> we can go to onset life. Okay. So, when Johnny Alonzo was developing the look of the picture with De Palma, De Palma said, "I just want you to give me the most beautiful pictures, and I'm going to put violence in them." <laughs> uh, he wanted to make it look like Miami at the time, neon, yeah. pastel colors. He didn't want that typical noir kind of look that you might expect for a story like this. That's fair. Um. It was a 24-week shoot that began in November 1982, God. wrapped in May 1983, and went three months over. Um, mostly shot. Uh, where can you? Where, where do you think it was mostly shot, Brandon? This movie? Yes. Probably Los Angeles. Yep. Uh, they did scout in Florida because it, it looked like it. In, I was like, <laughs> Yeah. Well, that the the uh, camp is that camp at the beginning. Yeah. When it cranes down, it's like, Oh, that they said that if like they had panned a little to the left, you would have clearly told it. Well, tell even it. when I saw like the Lopez Motors, like that looks like. Yeah. So they they actually did scout in Florida and they were planning to shoot it in Miami, but the Miami Tourist Board was worried the subject matter would deter yeah. tourism and uh and, and so they fought them getting a film filming permit. On top of that, uh there were some concerns about protests interrupting filming after death threats and protests from the Cuban community mm. uh yeah. during the scouting period. Uh allegedly someone actually got Pacino's private number and told him if you film here there will be trouble. Uh, they also had bad press in the Miami Herald, which just further fueled the, f the flames. And so they decided to leave and shoot in L.A. Uh, so this was the first of multiple shooting delays. Yeah. Uh, but they did actually end up going back later and shooting in Florida for two weeks. Uh, still received threats and their quote unquote quiet reshoots showed up in the press. Um, they had bodyguards on set and some producers even carried pistols. Um, a scene was shut at the luxury hotel in Miami known as the Fountain Blue. That's the scene by the pool where they walk across and, and yeah. um, Manny uh, hits on the, the woman. Yeah. Um, and the exterior of the chainsaws, the uh, Colombian deal, the chainsaw scene, is at is shot on Miami Beach, yeah. Beach's Ocean Drive. But the interior set was built on two uh, – or built – Two, they built two versions of that on an L.A. soundstage because they were worried they wouldn't be able to clean up the blood in time. So they um, could clean up the other one while they were shooting shots on the on the other set. Okay. Uh, it That's was actually smart. John Alonzo's idea to make the chainsaw yellow because he said nothing shows uh, blood like yellow. <laughs> Noted. I also love that when he opens the briefcase, it's just like the two kilos of cocaine in the yeah. chain. <laughs> uh, we got him. Okay, so yeah, we get, we get kind of what we were talking about a little bit earlier. So apparently there was also a prosthetic arm uh, that was hanging from the shower rod mm -hmm. in a shot. And then there was uh, allegedly, De Palma never said this, but allegedly there was a prosthetic leg that they mm -hmm. actually shot a shot of the chainsaw going into. Mm -hmm. But I mean, like we discussed, it was, and De Palma has said multiple times, it was always his intention just to suggest more than yeah. show the actual. And that wouldn't have gotten, that would have gotten more, that would have got NC 17 at that point. Oh, in time. just wait for the radio. <laughs> All right. But there was a second unit shot. Uh, oh, the, they, they shot. Um, 
in, in various places as well. Outside of that, uh, yeah. there's a second unit shot uh, for one day in Cor- Coronado Beach in San Diego. Uh, they mentioned shooting in New York for a short time. I'm assuming that was the the bomb sequence, uh, but. Production had to stop twice, additionally, due to severe weather events in California. Mm-hmm. The exterior of Tony's mansion was shot at El Ferriades, a historic Roman-style estate in Montecito, California. Mm-hmm. And with that, we can get into the shooting of the finale. So, the interior set... Uh, uh, well, they, bu- they built the interior as a set because it would take some time to yes. redress, obviously, with all the, the bullet holes and whatnot and the, the squibs. Um, and they shot the sequence with five different cameras. Mm-hmm. The firearm props had electronic synchronizing devices so that they would only fire when the camera shutter was open so that they could act, capture the actual muzzle flash. You know, if the shutter was closed during that frame, mm-hmm. y- you'd miss it. Uh, because if... And this would uh, frustrate, because of this, it would frustrate Pacino because sometimes it wouldn't fire while he was pulling the trigger and interrupting his his process. Um, uh, And, of course, they used blinks for the firing in the sequence. But Pacino did end up injuring himself. He grabbed the hot barrel of the gun after firing it and burned his hand really bad. Uh, So he was actually out of production for two, up to two weeks, they said. It's debatable on which (laughs) the number, but... um, He said that when they went to the hospital, the the nurses or whatever thought he was an actual criminal at first until somebody (laughs) realized it was Al Pacino. Um, And uh, during this time away, they shot all the shootout stuff without Pacino, which is why there's so much of it. Okay. Yeah, uh, I'd assume. Uh, And then two stuntmen were actually injured when a premature bomb exploded in the sequence. Uh, They first started shooting it with real stuntmen, but De Palma was like, this doesn't work. They don't look like Colombians. So he wanted to get real Colombians. So they brought in real Colombians many of which didn't even speak English. Um, The stunt of Tony falling into the water below took two days by itself, and the stuntman had to hold his breath when he landed because De Palma wanted to hold on that shot. (laughs) And then, of course, back to the um, assassination on... uh, The assassination attempt on uh, Tony the first time. Yeah, yeah. There's that set, you know, with all the Mm -hmm. mirrors, right? They shot that with multiple cameras, too, and so they had to check each camera to make sure they weren't getting reflections of the other camera or the own camera... Uh, and it's they, not like digital where you can just right. like put it, it after, yeah, yeah. yeah, look at it and see like, oh yeah. yeah. So I don't know if they have video village fully. No, no, no. no but they, I mean, all they had to was yeah, the, it's the viewfinder, the frame. Yeah. yeah. But um, they were able to angle the mirrors though to help with reflections. Uh, okay. uh, so there is some debate about what was used for the cocaine prop. Uh, some say powdered baby laxative. Some say powdered milk. Uh, milk. But uh, Pacino won't say what it was because he doesn't want to give away the illusion. Okay, <laughs> but whatever it was, it actually did damage to Pacino's nasal pa- passage with the Everything amount he just snorting. named. Yeah, <laughs> with the amount he was snorting. Um, for Omar's murder sequence, the stuntman Dick Zyker was actually thrown out of the helicopter, uh, shot with multiple oh, I cameras. Think I heard this. Yeah, they shot it with multiple cameras, and then they're looking at the dailies, and De Palma's like, "Something's not right." And one of the producers is like, "What are you talking about, man? They look great." No, something's not right. And so he goes home that night. Calls the producer in the morning, says, we got to shoot it again. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, I realized I realized what was wrong. His hands weren't tied behind his back. So they shot it again on the studio this time over uh, the lake in case um, the rope broke and yeah. he would fall into the lake. <laughs> yeah, because he, he couldn't swim. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Dick Zyker uh, said this was his top three scariest stunts, and he was also mind-blown when they told him he was going to have to do it again. Um <laughs> They also had footage of F. Murray Abraham hanging from a crane yeah. and then of, of him being thrown out of uh, a helicopter that was stationary onto some boxes below. So they had a, a lot to cut the sequence yeah, yeah, together. 
Um, the scene where Manny gets slapped for sticking his tongue out was done 22 times because the featured extra was too timid and didn't want, really want to smack him. Yeah. Steve Bauer said near, near the last couple of takes, he was like, please, just slap me. She said, she said, I don't want to leave a mark. And he said, you're already leaving a mark. Just actually slap Probably, me so we yeah. can move on. Yeah. <laughs> so we can move on. Um, the shoot was very hard on De Palma. Uh, both De Palma and Pacino were perfectionist, so they mm -hmm. did many takes. This was also part of the reason it went over time and yep. budget. Oliver Stone would initially go to Daly's uh, but De Palma would get annoyed by his commentary, so he told him he couldn't go to dailies anymore. De Palma was cutting dialogue and scenes to get these elaborate camera shots that he loved so much, which was really pissing Stone off. Mm -hmm. uh, Bregman had to tell Stone, you gotta let it go, man. It's not your baby anymore. It's, it's you know, we bought it. Um, Stone wrote a five, this didn't stop Stone though. He wrote <laughs> a five page memo of his concerns and sent it to everyone, all the execs, all the producers and De Palma. Because he wasn't, it seems like he wasn't, the mo the main thing he wasn't happy with was the tone. I think the script seems like it was more serious and didn't have that kind of satirical yeah. edge or the humor mm -hmm. that Pacino brought to it uh, in moments. Uh, so they later had to ban him from the set, allegedly. I, I will tell you this, is that just based off names and the reputations, yeah. De Palma and Stone together seems like a nightmare. <laughs> You know, I mean, Stone with well, kind of anyone, but like Stone and De Palma. Well, especially at this nightmare. point in Stone's career, because he was he had already written Platoon and Born on the Fourth of July, and he was trying to get them off the ground, but they yeah. weren't. Nobody was was biting, and so he he really wanted to be in the director seat. So I think that also you know yeah. added to it. Yeah, yeah. and I not like, necessarily with the script, but I just mean he wanted that position. And I feel like out of all the film brats, I feel like De Palma's the the only one where like. He like wouldn't he like wouldn't find a way to put up with it. Yeah, yeah. Just right? go. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Spielberg might find I mean, yeah. and maybe I'm wrong. Spielberg might but I think Scorsese kinda has an idea early on. I think De Palma like just wouldn't put a just out of here. <laughs> um and of course uh, as they kept shooting, they kept getting further behind schedule. Yep. Originally, it was supposed to be only 66 days of shooting. Um, some, some, there were some murmurings and suggestions within the studio to fire De Palma and shut, shut it down. But the president of production, Tom Mount, believed it wasn't right to fire a director during production. However, they still put additional pressure on mm -hmm. De Palma to, to uh, finish up finish as, as soon as he could. On top of this, De Palma's marriage to Nancy Allen was falling apart around this time, yep. and they would later divorce in 1984, and he blames it on this film because of how long they were away from each other, and I'm assuming the, the stress of the shoot as well. Yeah. It's also been suggested she wasn't happy that, he didn't say this, but it's been suggested, uh, gossip, that she wasn't happy that he cast Pfeiffer and Pfeiffer not her. her. Yeah. Uh, Pfeiffer said she learned a lot from Pacino, uh, especially on how to fiercely protect her character. Uh, without any sort of apology. Uh, mm -hmm. Bauer was actually at a meeting where Pacino argued that the relationship between Tony and Gina was not incestual. Brian and Stone disagreed and said that was part of the weirdness of his character, but Al was adamant. Um, and so they, I think they trimmed that back or you know, cut that back yeah. you know, as much as they could, uh, other than the obviously the final confrontation. Well, and that's, I, I agree with that. I think it's it borders on, it's, I think it's weird. It yeah. borders on, because it feels like, it it feels like the the creative heads but like they're butting heads. Yeah, uh, yeah. Pacino wanting one thing, but the like because you know De Palma's sensibilities. Sure, sure, sure. You know, oh, he, and Stone too. <laughs> yeah, you know he wanted to play that yeah. up. Oh, a hundred percent. No, I, I could see Pacino being like, I'm not doing that shit. Yeah. Like no, I'm just I'm yeah. a loving brother. Well, exactly, or, or, and to an overprotective degree yeah. again because she doesn't he doesn't want to see her follow that same path that he yeah. did. Uh, he just wants to protect her and you know, fun yeah. and you know, to a extreme degree. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Pfeiffer also lot of, lost a lot of weight as the production went on to show the evolution of her character and her addiction. Yeah, um, Stephen said that Brian had the wisdom that the act uh, to let the actors just 
do what they uh, were going to do with their characters. Uh, let them go. Let them fly. De Palma said, when you're dealing with actors at this level, you basically just set them on the road and get the hell out of the way. <laughs> and with that, we can move to Aftermath. Okay. So if you thought the production was tough, the editing process was also tough. <laughs> much of the audience, uh, so they did an early test screening uh, in Boston, and much of the audience was startled. A couple people allegedly passed out during the chainsaw scene. Hell yeah. And it was at this point that, <laughs> It's rumored that the, the severed arm shot yeah. was cut out of the movie. Um, some execs also agreed that it was too violent and too long. Then they went to war with the MPAA. <laughs> so the film received an X rating three separate times due to excessive violence and language. Each time De Palma sent it in, he would make minor cuts and changes to try to get the R rating. And he would specifically address the things that they were telling him what was the issues. Uh in, in fact, during one of the cuts, he said that their minor, their major gripe was that the clown on stage was getting hit. And I'm like, dude, that's such a quick shot. That's your, <laughs> that's your gripe out of all the violence in this movie? The, the guy getting shot? I don't, want, I don't want my kids seeing this. <laughs> um, but w- once it hit that third time, he was done. He said, I'm done. I'm not cutting in this movie anymore. So Bregman said they would go to war. And uh, he organized a good presentation, according to Palma, as if he was actually going to court, uh, which included a panel of experts, some of who were real narcotics officers, and argued that uh, this was an accurate portrayal of the drug underworld and was ultimately an anti-drug film. Um, the the appeal board was made up of 20 theater owners, owners studio execs, and mm-hmm. independent distributors. Yep. The vote came out 17 to 3 in favor of the R rating. Bregman said 18 to 2. Um, De Palma says he's... Okay, so th- there's also some... Uh, debate about this. So De Palma says he sent the first cut that got the X to the appeal board He's, because he said if the third cut got an X, why wouldn't the why you know yeah. what does it matter? I'm going to yeah. send the, the first cut that I did. However, others have said that De Palma submitted the cut he sent that third time that got the X that you made yeah. it be done with it and felt the changes were so minimal he would just distribute the first cut with the, the R rating. It didn't matter. The MPA refused this, but De Palma <laughs> ignored them and released it anyway, only admitting this months later. So I don't know which version's true, but either one, it's kind of awesome. Either sounds like him. <laughs> um, instead of only using popular tunes of the era, they had famous composer Giorgio Moroder do the score. De Palma liked his score for Paul Schrader's American Gigolo, and he yep. wanted to use them. Uh, he fought for this despite Universal's request for a pop score. Also, when the film was re-released in 2003 in cinemas, the studio wanted to have the soundtrack be replaced with rap songs inspired by the film. De Palma once again refused. Hell no. The film was initially the, movie. the film was initially released in December of 1983. Premiered first in New York City on December 1st, then released on December 9th by Universal uh, Worldwide. Uh, during the December 1st screening, Scorsese allegedly turned to Bauer about midway through and told him to be prepared that Hollywood's going to hate this because Scorsese felt it was about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of to your point earlier. Yeah. Went on to gross over $44 million domestically and $20 million from other markets. Budget was estimated around $23.5 to $37 million. So with the marketing costs, it barely broke even and underperformed what was expected. Yeah. There were actually, though, later... Not, uh, Late night screenings. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it didn't take off in, in say, oh, the way a lot of midnight screenings were, but the, it was starting to grow an audience. Yeah. But critical mm-hmm. response was mostly negative because of the violence, profanity, and drug usage. And Hollywood didn't really want to claim it. There were personal attacks in the press against De Palma, Stone, and Pacino for even wanting to create this. Uh, Roger Ebert, however, a uh, favorite of the show, gave it four stars in his original 1980. 1980- 83 review and he later added it to his great movies list mm-hmm. uh, this is a quote from one from one of his reviews I, I think this might be the later one most thrillers use interchangeable characters and most gangster movies are more interested in action than personality but Scarface is one of those special movies like The Godfather that is willing to take a flawed evil man and allow him to be human what is original about this movie is the attention it gives to how little Montana enjoys it while he has it 
Vincent Canby of the New York Times also mm-hmm. praised the film and said, The dominant move, mood of the film is bleak and futile. What goes up must always come down. When it comes down in Scarface, the crash is as terrifying as it is vivid and arresting. Uh, now, Kale, I, I kind of... Uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, touched on it earlier, uh, you know, who, who was a big fan of De Palma. Big, big De Palma fan. She felt that his vision was, t- largely felt that his vision was tainted. I kind of struggled with her review sometimes. I've struggled with her review sometimes, like getting to her actual point. Yeah. But that seems like what it was. And that seems to be the consensus with the people interviewed during the behind the scenes mm-hmm. that she felt this, she she thought there were good moments in it, but she felt it wasn't De Palma's full vision, I guess. Okay. Um, okay. Of course, there was also controversy, controversy from Cuban expatriates in yeah. Miami who felt the film showcased stereotypes of the community. The film featured a disclaimer after the credits that read in red capital letters, Scarface is a fictional account of the activities of a small group of ruthless criminals. The characters do not represent the Cuban-American community, and it would be erroneous and unfair to suggest that they do. The vast majority of Cuban-Americans have demonstrated a dedication, vitality, and enterprise that has enriched the American scene. Uh, in the opening title, though, it says 25,000 of the immigrants had criminal records, but according to the city commissioner of Miami, Demetrio Perez, who, side note, led the charge against the film shooting in Miami, yeah, yeah. Uh, is esti- the, that the actual estimate of refugees only included about 2,700 hardened criminals. Mm-hmm. So it seems like Stone did... Uh, Inflate the numbers. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Oliver Stone responded to this criticism in his book, uh, The Oliver Stone Experience, which I think is a book of interviews, uh, by saying Tony's mother and sister represent the clean-cut Cuban community. His mother scolds him. You're a scumbag. Get out of my house. You're ruining your sister. So there is a strong morality in the movie. I knew about the criticisms even in advance that Cubans were not like that. If I'd done it about Colombians, they would have said the same thing. You're anti-Colombian. So that's his... Uh, opinion, but despite the controversy and mostly negative reception at the time, it was nominated for Best Actor Pacino, Best Supporting Actor Stephen Bauer, and Best Original Score at the 41st Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. De Palma was, though, was nominated for a Razzie, which again, I don't screw them. Yeah, we don't put much stock in it at the fourth Golden Raspberry Awards for Worst Director, but yeah, fuck them. Uh, <laughs> of course, the film has gotten reappraisal, however, uh, uh, of course, it has now gotten reappraisal and is now considered one of the great mobster movies. Considered a cult classic, too, due to its following and very quotable dialogue. Uh, it also did, like, huge numbers when it was released on VHS. It yeah, was the okay. first to sell 100,000 VHS copies at a retail price of seventy nine ninety five. What? Yes. Um, God, when did this come out? Was, was that, I guess that's right when... That yeah. was the summer after, I think, is what it said. Um, uh, yeah, gosh, that's insane. Uh, yeah, and it also did really well in, in rental markets as well. Um, and that's probably two bucks. Yeah. You know. Uh, has been released on every format since. A, a widescreen VHS was released in 1998 at the same time as the 15th anniversary special edition DVD mm-hmm. release. Uh, but this one was not successful because viewers complained about the unwatchable video transfer and muddled sound. Another VHS release followed in 2003 with the 20th anniversary DVD release. And this DVD sold more than 2 million copies in its first week. It was released on Blu-ray on September 6th. 2011 in a steel book which I actually owned back home mm-hmm. uh, but w- was once again criticized for the picture quality because of an old master from the DVD release yeah. uh, but it did include a DVD of the original film from 1932 oh, yeah. the 4K release in 2019 had a limited edition which also included a newly crafted Blu-ray of the original film and then that was later released on its own mm-hmm. and a mass produced set uh, that does not include that that disc but does include the remastered Blu-ray of Scarface mm-hmm. uh, as well as a new special feature Q&A with Pacino, Pfeiffer, De Palma and Bauer for the film's 35th, now 35th anniversary uh, at that time, uh, from which some of this research was pulled. (laughs) Uh, The film first aired on ABC on January 7th, 1989. 32 minutes of violence, profanity, and sex were cut, and the word fuck was muted 
uh, after the beginning letter or replaced with alternatives, as famously done <laughs> in a lot of movies. Um, Budget. Of course, this film has been parodied on many shows, including The Simpsons and South Park, referenced, referenced countless times in pop culture, as yeah. you said, especially in hip-hop music. In fact, there was a compilation album released in 2003 called Music Inspired by Scarface, which I think was the songs they wanted to put in the movie, <laughs> uh, with tracks that were directly either d- directly inspired or contained subject matter related what year was to that? the film. Oh, uh, 2003, yeah, so that would have been... Oh, that's the that's yeah. prime soundtrack yeah. era right there. Yeah, that's their wanting. And uh, the film also had its own video game, uh, The World is Yours, in 2006. I remember that. Which is an alternate universe sequel where Tony survives the assault on his mansion and sets out to rebuild his empire and get revenge on Sosa. Some of the actors of the original film provided voices. Uh, the film also influenced multiple mm-hmm. other game series, including the Grand Theft Auto series, especially by City and the Yakuza series. A new version has been in development since 2011. Bregman was going to also produce this version with a screenplay by David Ayer and David a- Yates in talks to direct the film. David Yates, the Harry Potter. Yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> and I like David Yates. That's not that's not for him. Yeah. And this would have been because when did the last no. Harry Potter come out? Let's do it. Uh, t- 2022. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, uh, the uh, last of the actual. Uh, oh, last the of the actual one, part two. Oh, yeah, 2011. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, this was like right after that. <laughs> He's gonna, I, I no, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't. Okay. Uh, it, but and I, and I liked it. And I think David Yates actually does a great job of making Harry Potter darker. Yeah. But I. But I, I, I haven't. I have one of the things that, that, that I've I heard he did really well with was a uh, state of play, the original miniseries mm-hmm. before it was a movie. So I so I know he did other stuff that was like darker and more like that. So maybe, but based off what I've seen since then, I I he would not be my top choice. Yeah, as well as I. But in March of 2014, Pablo Lorraine was allegedly in negotiations in negotiations to direct, and Paul and. Atanasio was set to write the script. This iteration was going to be an original story in modern day, which follows a Mexican immigrant's rise in the criminal underworld of L.A. Jonathan Herman was hired in March 2015 to rewrite both drafts. Antoine Fuqua was hired to direct in August of 2016 with Terrence Winter now on as screenwriter, but but Fuqua left in January 2017. Diego Luna was cast as the lead Mm -hmm. uh, role at this point. The Coen brothers allegedly next wrote a draft. Fuqua came back this. with Gareth Dunnett Alcacer writing now. Then Fuqua left again in May 2020. Then Luca, Luca Guadagnino signed on as director with the Coen brothers script, but no word has been heard from in a while, and Guadagnino has not uh, announced, I don't think, if he's, at least according to that Wikipedia page at the time, yeah. has not announced either way if he's still involved. But I, I thought I remembered him saying he, he's no longer involved, but I might be wrong. Um, so with that, I think we can move on to what worked. <laughs> How to how to how to preface this? Well, I think I think De Palma's direction works. Um, compared to what I said earlier, but I think I think his direction. Well, I think he made it more. I mean, I'm sure the script was over the top, but I think he made it more over the top and operatic. Yes, and and Shakespearean in a way, but on his most accessible level. Absolutely, no, I agree. And um, I, and I, again, I think that was his intention, like we said, because yeah. he he wanted to make a commercial movie. I agree. I that agree. was his uh, goal. Um. I like Stephen Bauer. I mean, I like the cast is great. Yeah. My thing with my thing when I want to around with Pacino is I think Pacino is great in it. The question is how like stereotypical is it in a way? Like, like is it too over the top? I think he's great, and mm-hmm. I think spoiler, I think he probably he, that carries the movie uh, in the end. I don't know if anyone else can play this performance the way he does. Uh, I think it's a different movie. Um, but yeah, I think I'll say his performance as a whole works. 
and maybe some details that we might discuss in the next section that don't fully work. Mm-hmm. But I think him as as just how electric he is is what I think sustains that two like almost three hour run. Yeah, it's like part. it's Pacino's un- Pacino Unleashed, right? Yeah. And again, like we said with his introduction introductory scene, he's making it his show and he's yeah. he's giving it his all. So I I really respect that aspect. Yeah. Um, I also think this film does a great job of building this. Uh, criminal world in Miami mm-hmm. of the era. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, again, like we said, it's probably exaggerated and whatnot, but um, it's uh, yeah, it just does a really good job from the the first deal gone sideways to this yeah. finale. Uh, you feel like you're a part of this. I think the way uh, yeah, the actions they're portrayed are not over the like are not like faults or it's. Yeah. I think it's the idea that like anytime you make something think that this this is all that something is mm-hmm. is when it gets like into the stereotype. Sure. So we, I, I guess you can move on to. Did anything not work? Yeah, I would say I would say it does get stereotypical at one point. Like I, I mean, again, while Pacino is great, would I cast Pacino? Like it would it would be brownface nowadays, basically. Well, I think he. Well, I mean, I think yeah, no, I, I get your point. It's just because he had developed it, you know. Yeah, you know, I know, yeah, I, know, yeah, I, know yeah. I know, I know, I know. No, but I, I, totally, I totally get your yeah, get yeah. your point. Like nowadays, there there would be way more of a hoopla oh, yeah. about him being oh, yeah. cast. He, as, yeah. yeah, it's like. Stephen, because again, even like Robert Logia, it's it's like yeah. I was like that guy's a Italian. Yeah. <laughs> Just watching, I was like, why can't I go? Well, no, F. Murray Abraham, he's a uh, he. Yeah, well, that's the, like like Stephen Bauer's the only one that like I was like, and then yeah. uh, Chi, the guy that plays Chichi also is Colombian. Yes, he's uh, good. He, Chichi, he, get the Yale. He, and I saw him. Some, he he's playing what else he's been in. Let's look up F. Murray Abraham. Yeah, oh, he was born a, in Pennsylvania. A, Italian uh, and Syria. Yeah, okay. But like it's but yeah, when Robert Logie, I, I was like, that guy's not Cuban. <laughs> they just put a mustache on him and said, let's just accept it. And make it look tan. <laughs> like he's so like he's so Italian. Yeah, yeah. He's like quintessential Italian. Like, I'm the, he's the I mean he's he's the dude in big doing the right. do, doing the uh uh the keyboards with Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. That guy is not a uh, uh, uh and I like him. But I was just, I would cast someone differently for that. Like yeah. it just again the parts where like you can tell it's not Cuban or even his even Hispanic actors Spanish actors, um is what it where it there's like flaws to it. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, I think, and again, I I think the movie is a little bloated. I don't think it needs to be three hours long. I mean that's fair. I, that's my that's my only thing is I feel like and I don't, and I, I don't know but I don't know where you cut I think that that's weird I, I don't know where you cut stuff out I just think there's some stuff in the back half where I don't know it's it's weird it's, there's a lot of scenes that are in it or there's not a lot of scenes in comparison to three hour runtime basically so there's just parts that could be trimmed yeah. that was my only big yeah. thing I see I could see two and a half I can see two like two twenty two 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 and a half. 250 i feel like you could cut 20 minutes out somewhere and i hate saying that <laughs> i really do but um I, see i i don't feel the length but i've seen this uh, so many times and i initially yeah. watched it on tv so i think that yeah obviously feeds into it you had 30 minutes yeah. cut out right so my well, point I mean, also but also the commercials you know yeah like, yeah that's true yeah, that's true yeah, yeah. um and then my my thing is i'm not referring to the 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 comment of pacino maybe in in um yeah, yeah, brown uh, face. Yeah. Well, being a stereotype. Yeah. I'm more so talking about when people specifically say his performance is over the top. Um, I, I, I don't 
believe with that because I think the whole world is over the top. Right? The top not, yeah. And Pacino gave you know, Pacino's showy, but Tony's a showy character, right? He, he he's trying to do this to get ahead. He, well, that, he's compensating yeah. for where he comes from. And that, that's yeah. my thing about I have this conversation with people when they say, "Oh, that character is over the top." I was like, "Yeah, but, but the movie's over the top." Right, right, right. So yeah, I, I totally get the the stereotype, but I would, yeah. that was what my note before we even had that discussion because yeah. I, I just wanted to reference that's that because I do see that. I yeah. see that criticism often in the sense of he's yeah. overacting, not he's playing a stereotype. Well, I, that makes sense. Yeah, I think, I think, and I think that's the whole conversation about Pacino in a post Sin of a Woman era is that people would say he became kind of playing that same mm-hmm. type of loud guy. Like, it's Sin of the Woman where he goes, hoorah! Hoorah! Yeah. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't seen it. Yeah, him. yeah. Yeah, hoorah! <laughs> but that's yeah, that's what you picture, yeah. right? When and you, that's you, that becomes Pacino. But then you go watching The Godfather, and he's yeah, way more subtle and yeah, great. And like or that, even his early, a lot of his early stuff. Yeah, like. with Scarecrow, with with Hackman, um, and just for all Doctor Afternoon. Yeah. yeah, he's a much more subtle actor. But at some point, he just became, like, oh yeah, yeah. Well, probably when this movie kind of took off, I think he started to to play that yeah that a role little more. bit more yeah or at least he, he was gravitating like that's those kind that's of why i loved irishman so much with him like with him i think he's the best performance in there because yeah. he's such a like he he it's a mixture like he's playing it a little bit like a little more subtle more calm he still has a little bit like i hate you paint houses like but he's not like over the top he's yeah. not he's not i'll say over that he's not big mm-hmm. his performance is not big right i think there's a difference between being big and being over the top exactly i agree, I agree. um or show I use the word showy, but I'm showy, in, I'm yeah, in, yeah. in the same way that you're using the word big. Big, yeah. yeah. It's like it's just, it's a very big performance. Right. It's like yeah. And again, like the, the Montana character, it fits that right, or yeah. at least this this version of, of yeah. Tony Montana's. And again, story. Like I said, because, because it's De Palma, it's yeah. it's he's playing the tone of De Palma. All right, film facts. <laughs> the word fuck is used. How many times do you think? Seven hundred and thirty. Oh whoa! It kind of overshot it. Okay. Um, so. so I've seen multiple numbers though, so two twenty six, two eighteen, and two hundred and seven. Really allegedly, but at the time, I mean, this was yeah. Uh, but I mean, I feel like uh, allegedly, Blink one eighty two got their name from what they believed to be the number of times the fuck it said it's yeah one hundred eighty two. But that number has of course been disproven. Yeah, uh, I wasn't gonna sit there and count them, but that, that's the numbers. Next I saw. time, yeah. Spielberg was on set for one day. I knew about this. this. Okay, I knew yeah. about this. And he shot one of the cameras for the final shootout. Uh, there's some debate on which shot or shots yeah. uh, are in the movie, but De Palma believes it was a low angle when the gangsters are first coming into the yeah. house. I've seen. I think in the Spielberg documentary they talk about that, and they show oh, yeah. Yeah. they show him like him and De Palma with like 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 shields on to yeah. like not get the blood on their right. faces as they're shooting, and and Spielberg looks so happy. To be there, yeah, because I think it's if this is this is probably right after like Raiders, mm-hmm. um, or maybe because it was so when was Raiders? Is Raiders Raiders 80, 81. 81, yeah. So, so I guess it's made right after E. T. <laughs> now he's shooting a bunch of guys shooting each other. Yeah, e. T. is eighty two. <laughs> so yeah, so he's shooting after E. T. is when he's doing yeah this. He's probably jumping off the press tour for E.T. and going to shoot a scene of uh, <laughs> pure violence. Yeah, because next thing he does is twilight. Uh, he does oh god, E.T. and Poltergeist in '82, which he he wrote. And I say that yeah, um, <laughs> there's debate over that. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, he, he was having a fun time. All right, a few more. Oh yeah, definitely uh, a few more uh, film facts. Teen model Tammy Lynn Leppert, who played the beachgoer distracting Manny mm-hmm. during the Colombian trade slash chainsaw sequence disappeared a few months later and has been a missing person ever since the girl on the couch huh which which girl? oh no no no, no oh, the girl no, no, no. That he's outside talking to. the beach wow. the beach yeah the one in the yeah 
she was a teen model, and uh, like a few months after the production, or five months later, uh, she disappeared and has been a missing person ever since. Um, wow. During a 2012 police raid of mafia gangster Carlo Padavoni's house in Naples, a life-size porcelain bust of Tony Montana was found. Another drug lord in Naples, Walter Schiavone, had an exact replica of Tony Montana's Miami mansion built for himself. Jesus. Um, Miriam Colon, who plays Tony's mom, is actually only f- was actually only four years older than him in real life. Oh, wow. Um, Saddam Hussein's Money Laundering Corporation was called Montana Management after the film. Uh, De Palma supposedly dropped out of directing Flash Chance so he could do this. I didn't know if you had seen that when you did the Adrian Line episode. We about. talked about he, yeah. De Palma was supposed to do it. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, he dropped out to, to make this apparently. Yeah. Uh, Oliver Stone chose the last name Montana after Joe Montana, his favorite football player. Mm. And with that, we can get to awards. All right. So, be it just straight award, actor, actress, and limited se- with limited scenes, that kills it. Um, I was going to say if she counts. Uh, his mom, Miriam Colon, has Mama Montana. I'll go with Miriam Colon. Okay, cool. She has two scenes, and she's really good. And yeah. I think that I think that's a key scene with the one when when he can, when she when he shows up the first time, and she's like, "You've been like you you haven't talked to us in five years or whatever, and now you all of a sudden come back and think that you can just come back in our good graces." Yeah. Without like this, not like basically, you didn't want to work at this. You just want to come in and be like, "Hey, I'm bringing money. Love me." Yeah. Um, but no, by I, their love, by their love, basically, or, or by their good yeah. graces. All right, Annie Potts, X Factor Award, supporting actor, actress that is the most memorable. I feel like this is kind of hard category, but um, do you count uh, Bauer or is he in way too many scenes? I would count, I would count Bauer. Oh, you would? Okay. Yeah. Well, then that makes that easy, I guess. <laughs> I, th- I think it's him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was F- also going to F- nominate um, M- Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio as yeah, Gina. Yeah. And then also Pfeiffer, um, I think. Yeah, those, those three are all good. I would go. I would go with Bauer. Yeah, I agree. I think he has interesting. It's, it's, it's not play that much but i think it's a very interesting arc because mm-hmm. he goes from being like obsessed with like women and not really paying attention to like him kind of being like yo dude like we gotta calm this down right and him like dating the sister and not like and that's the thing when he says like um it's an interesting subtle kind of change when he sees gina for the first time he reacts differently than when he sees all the other women he's like oh, right. look at that over there look at that yeah this he's like he goes God, how beautiful yeah. she! He says it's a more like he's smitten. Or smitten. Like in he's love, entranced yeah. by yeah. her, not just lusting. Yeah, not just lust. It's like actually, oh my God, she's she's like gorgeous, and not in a like oh, I want to ha- I want to like get we'll get laid basically. Yeah. Like I want to I want to hook up with her. But like he wouldn't stick his tongue out. I don't no, know. <laughs> no. It's like he's he's kind of like it, it, it's like it's like a weird like kind of like he has this weird like magical moment. It feels mm-hmm. like, and then Tony's like, don't you dare. Yeah. All right. Uh, Hey, don't you don't you look at her ever. <laughs> don't you see her ever again or yeah. whatever um but and then it's later it's like he shows up and like he's he's now like excited mm. said we got married he's ex- you can tell he's excited to see tony yeah and tell him they're married they just didn't, they wanted to like surprise him yeah because, which was a bad idea but. which is a bad idea <laughs> he should know not to i surprise feel like him. manolo should have it come come clean in a neutral ground and said, "Hey, I want to ask for her hand in marriage since she yeah. doesn't have a father." I feel like that would have been That's the respectful true. thing to do yeah. to Tony and would have ev- uh, evaded at least, hopefully, that, yeah, <laughs> that uh, situation. Because because had a fight, yeah, not a, yeah, not yeah. a like you son of a <laughs> like and shoot just behind my back. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah. also I think also to another point towards Bauer and, and I guess um 
uh, Mary as well. They have that great scene just between them two where they kind of they, they suggest that in the they're, car, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she's like, I, just, I see the way you look at me, Manolo, and whatnot. And, that, yeah, and that's, that's when he takes her right from home the club. Yeah, from yeah. the club. Yeah, that's, yeah. that scene again. That, that's because again, you've seen him so many other ways, right? He's now he's kind of vulnerable. very caring, yeah, when he's like trying to get her out and holding her and like, I don't want to go, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then like he takes her and drives her home, yeah. Okay, cool. So, uh, Gene Hackman MVP award, the person who carries the movie, director, actor, etc. It's Pacino. I agree. It's Pacino. Yeah. Why again, love the Palma, love Stone. I think if you don't have Pacino in this movie, it does not mm-hmm. work. Like De Niro is like your only other one. I've seen him. He plays Capone in Untouchables. Right. I it's a different performance. I think I think Pacino just does it does this better. I agree. Cool. So I cuz I think I think he it's his movie, and while I complain about the link to some extent, it's like uh, he 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 doesn't make it boring. He doesn't make the link boring. I'm just saying, like as like, could it be stronger if it's two and a half hours instead of two fifty? But Pacino's electricity is what like really mm-hmm. makes the movie, shine. especially how it super ramps up in the yeah, last. Like, and, and, and again, it's like, I, I think also too, like talk about the cultural relevance and the impact it has of people kind of parroting it and copying it. I think if, if it's not him, it doesn't have the same impact. That's a good point. And, it doesn't and I think impact. honestly, you ask somebody on the side of the street, this would be one of the ones they say for Pacino. For, for Pacino. Be, yeah. I agree with that. All yeah. right, cool. Very final question. Qu- yeah, not a movie. Yeah. All right, final questions. Recast it. If it was remade today, who would you cast? And my thought actually is maybe we should try something different. Like maybe we do that angle of the Mexican-American uh, in L.A. or something. Okay. Because well, I think that would be more interesting than just doing another Cuban story, you know? I agree. Yeah. Um, Who should we do? Great question. I mean, Diego Luna is not a bad pick. Where is he? Is he is? He's Mexican. Oh, cool. I mean, I'm down with that. I mean, they they they, they he was cast at one point. Yeah, yeah. I'll go. Well, let's go with um Diego Luna. Okay. For for Tony, I'm I'm totally down. For for Frank, I'm gonna say. Uh, I'm gonna butcher his name, and I, I apologize. I'm reading for the first time. Uh, Demian Butcher. I'm a, I'm a, oh, oh, yeah! No, no, I know who that is. Uh, yeah, I, I, rec- I, I know the face. Yeah, yeah, that would be perfect. Um, again, I apologize for completely. Yeah, yeah, that's who I was picturing. Yeah, he'd be awesome. You mean, uh, and I could Bater, see him. Yeah, they might have an interesting. Bater, Bater, they might yeah. have a more interesting dynamic because I feel like he would, he would play that mentorship role. Uh, yeah, a little stronger, I think. You know, he he plays Castro and, Ch- and Che. Yeah, but he was also in a. That was a, was a better life. Because mm. I think he was he was nominated for an Oscar for that. That was about that was ten years ago. Now, but he was really good in that. Um, I recognize him from Godzilla vs Kong. <laughs> <laughs> he was also an Alien Covenant, which I did not know. Uh, I don't remember that. No, he's good. So I think he'd be good, Frank. Yeah, he's great as as Castro in um, um in the Che films. Do you want to go a a of a white actress for for that, or do you go? I almost see who I thought of because I was looking for at for Avira for Avira. Yeah, I mean it could be anyone for Cuban. I was looking at uh, Andy Armas. Oh yeah, I'm down and developing that character a little bit more. Sure, um, to give her more her more to do. Uh, for Manny, I like Jay Hernandez from when he was in Friday Night Lights. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't watched him do Magnum PI, the show. Um, I'm sorry. My PI in Hawaii Five. Oh, 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 God! I had a crossover episode. Oh man. 
Oh, dude, Ma- I, 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 uh, I remember him from Hostel Part 2. Uh, yeah, I, he, uh, I, I he has manning. a good look. He's a good man. Yeah, yeah, good man. Okay. And I feel like he could play well off of the, the that's, a, yep. that's a good cast. All right, cool. That's a good cast. All right, and then we can move on to does this film fit into any other genres? Um, I mean, you did say kind of neon noir. Neon noir. I was also wondering if you would consider it Florida noir or. I, I would consider it Florida noir, yeah. yes. You know, shot in LA. Um, I would consider it Florida noir. Um, Again, it's kind of like I think those types they don't have to be shadowy. Those don't those yeah. like, like they can be kind of bleached and, right. and pastel colors. And I think that the I mean I I'd assume this film was a big part in like developing that look of I Miami say, at the time. Uh, yeah, mixture. Yeah, 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 of that kind of lore of it all. Yeah. Um, I'd go into that. I mean, again, kind of like the dark, like I put the darkness of the American dream. Yeah. Type story. Yeah. Of or like, like a rise and fall. I mean, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know what you'd call that, but yeah. Again, the the fake biopic is another thing because <laughs> it's done it's done like a biopic, right? Right, which is fascinating to me. Um, I would put it in those categories. Cool. I agree. All right, how does this film fit into this month's genre? Well, a lot uh, of mobster movies, gangster movies, uh, mafia movies, whatever. Yeah, a lot of stuff we talked about is again, it's again the idea of excess is very present here. The kind of like American dream and trying to obtain it, and again the darkness that surrounds it once you do. Loving the extravagant life of being a gangster, being a mobster. Um, I also put down this is kind of the paranoia aspect, like the insecurities that come with it. Like, mm-hmm. um, in some cases, the it's the paranoia that develops, or like feeling overshadowed in yeah. some way, yeah. and feel like someone's always coming coming to get you, and feeling like you're not the right like not per, right right person for something. I think it's all very apparent. Imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. I think there's imposter syndrome with mobsters. Is what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, and then kind of this this the side things of like kind of like tropes of like the traitor traitor informant. The kind mm. of like could this be going on? Who can you trust? Even within the that's family. a good point too. Like from that point on, uh, you know, his paranoia is probably building because he's like, well, then I got to keep my eyes open at, at yeah. all times because I don't want that happening to me. Exactly. And and Frank soft. I don't want to. I don't want to get soft like Frank did. Yeah. Right. I got I gotta be big and bad. Um, the screwed up marriages, of course. The script marriage, of course. Like, um, but yeah. Anything else you want to add on all that? I, what I was discuss at the beginning too. The, the rise and fall narrative. Um, Stone made an interesting point in the uh, behind the scenes about the original film, but I it's a pre code film, isn't it? Or am I yeah. wrong? Okay, so 32. he he said it was a code film. It's not. I, but I was like, I, I figured it was pre code. But either way, I think the ending of that one is, it's a similar ending to this. I won't mm-hmm. spoil it if you haven't seen it, but. It's natural to the morals of the time, even if there wasn't yeah. a, a set in stone Hayes Code. And that made me think, like, well, even if it's not natural to the morals, it's like there's no other ending for a character like this. It's either yeah. death or jail. I mean, yeah. he, he's literally self-destructing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it, it perfectly shows that that rise and fall. Um, yeah. And like you said, I mean, he literally comes off the boat with no, no, no money. He's in no a money. camp, and he's he builds his way up. So. Yeah. And, and, then, and you know, the ending of that movie also has the world, world is right. yours. World is yours. Um, a lot of the, the same kind of similar plot points with the, the sister and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, th- I think the major plot points are, are very similar. Uh, yeah. It's just they did a great job of monitoring. And this is how you should do a remake, right? You should, you know, kind of take the original concept in some way, but... Put it in a new More setting, fit. maybe, or yeah, yeah, yeah. create new characters with it within that. Um, interpret it. Yeah. It's not really about remaking. It's about interpreting right. the text yeah. of, again, people interpret Shakespeare all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I mean, I've, I've never saw it, but I remember, like, there was a big thing when I was in high school that someone had done, like, I think Macbeth, but as, like, The Matrix. What? 
Yeah. That actually sounds pretty awesome. Like, so everyone's like wearing like, 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 tre- like the black trench coats and stuff. <laughs> I don't the, know how the cyber I, goth. Yeah, yeah, it's like cy- <laughs> cyberpunk, Big Beth. <laughs> that sounds I don't know pretty how it dumb. worked, but but yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm sure as we continue going through the month, we'll yeah. have new things and that, and then we'll could tie it back to Scarface yeah. or whatever. Yeah, right. and we're covering uh, Goodfellas next week yes. on our 300th episode, and we actually kind of had to, because of schedule, we had to record that first. So, so you're hearing this one first, <laughs> or and, and you got a little tease for one. what's coming. So there's some so there's some stuff we kind of developed in this episode that we didn't develop in Goodfellas, <laughs> um, but just take note that what we're talking about here does pertain to what happens in Goodfellas. We just want to say it in Goodfellas, um, but it is kind of interesting kind of like journey that we're doing this kind of like mobster with, with Scarface and then looking into Henry Hill. Yeah, uh, a similar thing yeah. of like that rise and fall, that rise and fall, the, and 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 coming into the you know system with nothing and with nothing. into the organized crime system I yeah mean. and with his kind of character saying like what happens when you hit a ceiling for yeah. him uh and the idea too of just the the paranoia also comes to play also come come to play uh the palm will also come to play a little bit next week as well so stay yeah, tuned for that absolutely but that's next week on goodfellas the three other episodes gonna be david thomas and me so be make sure you have your episodes ready to go subscribe so you can so it'll pop up on your on your feed once you get it um also the people who are on our patreon thank you so much for being a part of our patreon last month we did the day trippers and barfly um that was our first two and then we'll do two more this month um but yeah we're trying to do stuff on there more so movies to discover talk about more movies to discover for you that might be lesser known um that might not be enough information to cover on a main show like this so do that if you can. There's a one dollar, five dollar, ten dollar uh, subscription kind of base level for those. Thank you so much for being a part of that for those that are. But that's all we have for this episode. If you have any questions for us, feel free to contact us at Podcast at gmail.com. Send us your questions, comments, and if you're a new listener to the show or a fan of the show and for some reason you haven't subscribed to us, be sure to do so so you can stay up to date on our new episodes. You can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. And if you haven't already, be sure to write us review your preferred podcast platform. These reviews kind of help gain more exposure for us. Uh, we like hearing from you and kind of how we can improve the show if need be, but also just seeing what you like and hopefully maybe try to cover some other stuff that you might mention on the review. Like we were open to ideas and hearing what our listeners have to say. We're always trying to get better uh, during this journey of discovering more movies. So review if you can five stars for sure um but yeah and finally don't forget to like and follow us on facebook twitter instagram letterbox tiktok all those places david thank you for joining me as always thanks for having me man and thank you all for listening we hope you listen more episodes soon bye